everyone. Welcome to the Maker Mistaker podcast, where we love to have deep, eye-opening, and mind-bending discussions about life. This is episode five, and today we're talking all about meditation. I'm your host, Jeff Finley, and with me is George Coghill. Say hey, George. Hello. So good to have you on again. It's been a month. It's been through the holidays and New Year's Eve, and it's 2015, and um so what have you been up to? I mean, any any news tidbits, any cool things sticking out to you, George? Well, I mean, I mentioned to you before we got recording, let's get to start recording about that uh, raptitude.com blog that I've been reading a lot about and uh, kind of kind of ties into what we're talking about today with the meditation. I, his, uh, his focus in a lot of his posts is on uh, mindfulness, which is a form of meditation. So I guess I kind of, it's not, you know, it's not something I practice regularly, but I'm looking to do more of it myself, actually. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I think that, uh, like, I, like I was telling you, that that uh, his his back catalog of blog posts has been taking up a good chunk of my uh, reading time this past few weeks. So I'd say that's, it can kind of sum up what I've been doing. So Cool. And the site is raptitude.com. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm going to check it out, too. I think it, it really resonates with what we're going to talk about today with meditation and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff. But so for me, well, I want to tell you and the listeners. So I am officially on my own now as an independent entrepreneur, self-employed graphic designer, writer, blogger, podcaster, creative person. So I haven't actually figured out what I'm going to be doing, um, but I'm working on my book. So for those of you who don't know, I'm writing a book about my morning routine and how it changed my life. And my experience um, with practicing my wake up early habit um, for over over a year and a half and how it's changed my life, how I've done to stay stick the habit, how I've done to get over procrastination, resistance, all those kind of things. And also I'm a I'm coaching people on a wake up early for 30 days challenge on uh, coach.me. And so that's been a really interesting experience because I've been able to to work with people directly on how they're handling a wake up early habit. And, you know, I've been able to solve some of their problems and kind of understand what other people really struggle with. So I'm including all this kind of stuff in my book. So I should have my first draft of my book done by the end of January. So the book is called Wake Up and you can check it out at makermistaker.com slash wake up and sign up to get notified when it comes out. And another thing that uh, I had going on a week or two ago was I was on another podcast. I was a guest on Pillow Talk, which is a which is on gossipistmag.com. And they had me on talking about my out-of-body experiences and lucid dreams and stuff like that, which if, if you read Make or Mistake or you've probably seen some of those posts where I talk about like how crazy they, they were for me. And it was really interesting. So we got into, are they real? What are they? Are they just product of the brain and all this kind of stuff? I think we'll probably cover OBEs and lucid dreams and stuff like that in a future Make or Mistake or podcast episode. But for now, you can check that out at gossipistmag.com. And another important thing, so George and I both use this app called Lyft, and it's a habit change app. You know, it's really awesome. Last last uh, podcast episode, we talked a lot about habits. And so Lyft, they actually changed their name to Coach.me, and that was a huge deal because that's a big shift in, in their perspective of the app. I mean, some people who were using this app called Lyft to track their habits now all of a sudden have an app called Coach.me. And they may be pretty jarring for someone who's not really interested in it. But the cool thing is I'm actually a coach in that app. And so I was, like I said, I'm coaching people how to wake up early. And I'm also coaching people on meditation, 
which is pretty cool, and journaling and any of the habits that I was really good at that I checked into a lot, I'm able to be a coach in that habit and help other people in the community privately through a text-based chat um, coaching. So it's pretty cool. Um, you can find me at the, my coaching page is at coach.me slash Jeff underscore Finley. Okay. Got those out of the way, George. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about meditation and what is meditation and and why we feel it's important. And so just for me, my own experience, I've been meditating for about two years now. And how about you? How long have you been meditating? Actually, at the end of this month will be about two years when I've started being really uh, consistent with it. Oh, that's awesome. So what is meditation? Do you want to go ahead and, and, and handle or tackle a definition for us? <laughs> that's a that's a tall order there, but uh, yeah, sum it up in just one one line. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I just uh, I don't know. I can't remember if I sent you this if I emailed this to you, but I stumbled across this uh, article where somebody was referring, you know, with the same deal, like what is meditation? And there was a what they referred to was, and I'm going to get this wrong, I'm sure, but I believe it was a Himalayan sect and. In the original language for this for this uh, this group, this society, what they um, the word that they used, you know, for meditation when translated was familiarization. And mm. when I read that, I really thought that's exactly what this is. It's really becoming familiar with the patterns of your thoughts and how your mind works. And it's really, you know, to me, that kind of did sum up the whole thing in, in one word to some degree. So uh, what would that's pretty good. How would you know, how would you take that as a as a definition? That's a that's a really interesting analogy. I never thought of it that way. Familiarization. That's good. Um, the way I'd put it is more like, you know, quiet contemplation, uh, sitting in silence. Um, some might call it prayer. You know, like I think a lot of people who pray, that might be kind of in the same vein as meditation. That's a different take. There's so many different types of meditation. So it's you can't really define it by one particular right. thing. But the core of it is really sitting in silence or just being in silence without doing anything. And what you're doing is just, I guess the only thing you are doing is observing and watching your thoughts. And that's the minimal, that's the minimalist thing to do. Like there's active meditations where you can, you know, scan your body with like sensation, like what are you feeling from top to bottom, you know, or you could try to do a mantra or a chant. There's guided meditations where you've actually got an instructor telling you, um, you know, take some deep breaths, you know, count your breaths and, and what is it? You know, bring your focus to the tip of your, to your nostrils, you know, and count the breaths going in and out. And, you know, so they'll like guide you through it, but it can be done for relaxation, for stress release. Um, yeah. So what what do you think, George, is like a common misconception about meditation? Like if you had a person who's never meditated before and you asked them what meditation was, what do you think they would say? Well, I, I mean, I don't have to guess. I had all those misconceptions myself before I started. So I oh, really? actually, yeah, oh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't even remember if I posted this or not, but I, I at least drafted a blog post all about this because I was like, you know, after I was doing, uh, you know, doing the meditation regularly, and then also, you know, because I'm a geek about everything I get into, I was reading the hell out of it. But uh, you know, I realized there was some mis- tons of misconceptions I had. Like first, oh, you got to sit, you know, sit cross-legged or sit in some kind of a pose. 
not true. You can sit in a chair if you want to. You don't even have to sit up straight if you don't really want to, even though it's recommended. But, uh, you know, the, the idea is that you're trying to clear your mind, which is totally ridiculous. You're not trying to do that at all. I mean, I, I started looking at, like, my preconceived notions of what meditation was. And I'm like, I, I think I got all my ideas from, like, cartoons and movies and TV shows and stuff like that that were, you know, that were also uninformed. Because really a lot of the stuff is is very, and, and you know, and like you said earlier, I think prayer, you know, especially contemplative prayer can be considered a meditation. But that's another thing that, that a lot of people think too is that it's that, you know meditation is religious or or has something to do with praying and it really doesn't i think you could more say prayer is uh like a meditation versus meditation being a prayer i mean yeah, it's not, totally you, you don't have to be religious whatsoever like cause there's a lot of people who uh or there's a lot of focus on meditation these days you, you see a lot of people you know t- touting the you know, the health benefits on the scientific st- uh, study side of things. And I'm sure there's people that are thinking, well, you know, that's, that's against my religion or I don't, I'm not, a, I'm an atheist or something, but you can, meditation is very, it's very, like, it's not easy. It's just very, it's a very basic practice. It's just a technique. Basically it's uh, very much based on the body, which surprised me a lot. The more I do it, it's, it's very, it's, you, you have, uh, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions that you're, you know, or at least I shouldn't say misconceptions, but you have a lot of, there's a lot of associations with, you know, the idea of spirituality, but really what you're doing, like you said, there's, there's a lot of the stuff has to do with the body, whether it's paying attention to your walking and walking mindfully or paying attention to the breath or whatever, sitting still. But a lot of it's about more about the body than, than really anything else. But uh, yeah, I covered the big ones, you know, sitting in crazy postures, mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big misconception. Clearing the mind is a big misconception. You're not supposed to do that. Some, if you try to do that, you will hurt yourself. So don't, <laughs> don't do it. Uh, what's the other one? And I, yeah, I guess, you know, the whole religious aspect is a big misconception too. So Yeah, when I got into meditation, I thought, well, I guess I, I don't even want to say before I got into meditation because I first heard of it and it kind of, I associated it with like a new ager, like with a yoga outfit on or a Buddhist monk or you know, like putting their hands in some position and chanting like, um, you know, Om or something like that. And, you know, you like you said, you would you would get these uh, pictures from TV and movies and stuff like that. And I think most people, that's their intro to meditation. They kind of see someone meditating, but they don't know how it applies to their life. So at what point, George, did it come to you? Did it come into your life as an actual viable option that you would thought you should do? Hmm. Well, I mean, that. Touches on some earlier uh, episodes here when uh, it basically is one of the tech was one of the approaches I, I used to, you know, from reading and some from research, but it was an approach to to deal with some, you know, some pretty bad depression I was going through at the time. And, um, you know, the two things that they kept coming back to was exercise and meditation like to do these two things. And I started out like. When I said, I, you know, it's been two years of regular practice, I was actually meditating for about, I would say, I don't know, let's just say six months before that, but it was very inter- intermittent. I was using a different technique than I use now. And, um, I, you know, I was, I was like, I would do it when I thought I needed it as opposed to doing it on a daily basis. Right. So, <clears throat> so everything kind of came to me, like I said, to, try to work through these issues with depression. But as far as like something that I thought, like, you know, 
this is something I want to continue to do or want to include in my life, like you were saying. Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I, it was from doing it. I guess I, I, I saw the benefits of it relatively quickly once I got past a lot of my, uh, you know, your, your anxieties to have like mystical experiences and stuff. Once you get past a little bit of that and, you know, get into the, the technique itself and doing it for what it is. Um, you know, I, I, I started to see the benefits and I was like, you know, this is something, and it was also something that as a kid, I don't, I, I was always interested in weird. I mean, I'm still interested in weird stuff, but I, as a kid, I was fascinated by all kinds of esoteric and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was always curious about yoga because you, I would read about it in, in books and stuff. And I was always, you know, as weird as this might sound, I was always self-conscious to even do it. You know, I was like, I don't want people to know that I did something like that, or I didn't mm-hmm. know if I'm disciplined to sit and, you know, do it long enough to have any real experiences with it. But, uh, so that was part of it too, is I was like, you know what, I'm getting old and if you don't start now, you know, <laughs> what am I going to do it? So I wanted to kind of kind of like it was a perfect storm of, of situations to, to to establish it as a regular practice and I, I'm still I mean I'm gonna say it, you know the end of this month will be two years and I have meditated every single day of those two years I aim for it twice a day if I can and I lately I, that's been pretty consistent too but I have I didn't start out doing twice a day but uh but I've done it every day since I started, uh, made that decision two years ago. Yeah, that, well, that's really consistent. I mean, George, you are a machine when it comes to consistency and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm like a robot sometimes. man. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. And um, so when I got into it, I actually got into yoga first. Um, I had a, a friend of mine, an old high school friend who emailed me in 2009, I think, and 2010, maybe somewhere, somewhere around there. And she was um, looking for a flyer for her new yoga business. And she and I was like, oh, hey, wow, I haven't talked to you and since elementary school. And um, and then she's like, in exchange, you know, like I can't afford it. So I'll, I was like, will you trade for some yoga classes? I've always wanted to try it. So I um, took some of her yoga classes and she was really awesome. You know, like got me, and I was into breakdancing. So I, to me, yoga felt like breakdancing in slow motion. Right. <laughs> like all these different postures you can hold yourself into. So I was really excited about like trying to pull off cool moves. You know, of course, you know, that's like when you get into yoga for a long time, you realize that's not what it's about. But but like me, I was like, oh, what what's the hardest move I can try to like push myself to do? And so I got into that. And, and but what but we would at the end of the session in uh, Shavasana pose, which is what she called corpse pose. We were just laying flat on your back and she would you would just sit there in silence. And it was at the end of the of a tough yoga session. So you're like exercised out, you know, you're winded maybe a little bit and feeling sore. So at that point, it's super relaxing. And she would have amazing music playing, really soft kind of chanting or flute music or something like that with some incense burning. And and it was really, really relaxing. And I just loved that energy. Um, I took that class once a week for several months. I don't know how long it lasted, but I eventually, you know, quit going for, I think I got lazy or something, something happened. And then she ended up canceling her classes. So that um, was my first introduction to a a yoga slash meditation thing. I didn't even, she didn't call it meditation, but like they're, they're related. Right. So that, you know, I don't want to cut you off, but that's one thing I want to bring up later is the, is under misconceptions is like, you know, the, the, the asanas versus the meditation and yoga, but we'll, we'll go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So 
So that fast forward several years later, um, I always like when I was going through my depression, I took naps in my car. So to me, it was really just actually it wasn't even a nap. I just wanted to go out in my car and be alone, like get away from the, the distraction, the social media, the responsibilities going on in the office, just other people. I, I wanted like a, a safe place, like and the only place I could go was either the bathroom or my car. And and like I just had these really dominant urges pushing me to get out there to go to my car so i just went out there and laid there and you know put my seat down and just kind of chilled and that wasn't i didn't know what meditation was at that point but then i think there was a, a time when i i think i downloaded the lift app um in 2011 2012 and then um they had a meditation habit on there so i'm like you know you can kind of go through all sorts of different habits on there and I was like, oh, meditation sounds good. I'm going to do that. So I checked into that. When I would go out to my car, I'd check in on it. And I would sit there in silence and I would say, yeah, I spent five minutes in silence that day. And I didn't do it regularly, but I only did it like occasionally when I thought I needed it. Right. And then I got um, I found an app called Headspace. I don't remember where I found it, but I think it was recommended maybe by someone on the Lyft community or whatever. And it's a free app that you can download and they do there's 10 different sessions of guided meditation. So I would put my headphones in and he would kind of guide me along and tell me about my thoughts and tell me to watch my thoughts kind of coming and going as if clouds in the sky or ripples in a pond. And he kind of compared your your mind to a pond and you want to get it still. And so at first there's all sorts of and every single thought is like a ripple and they're, you know, you got a lot of thoughts and, you know, you want to watch them go. You don't judge them. You don't interact with your thoughts you just watch it go and you know at the end maybe you'll get a a clear a smooth pond basically or a, a clear blue sky and i really like that um it seemed really relaxing and something about it resonated with me pretty remarkably so i wanted to keep doing it and that was my introduction to meditation and i eventually got i started reading books about it and you know got into it so yeah I, I, when i was excuse me when i was uh starting out i also used that headspace app and i think if anybody's out there that's um, curious about it, that I thought that was, you know, the, 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 the basic app is free and they have some paid uh, courses you can use later on, but the basic stuff that they offer for free is really superb introduction. I mean, they, they explain it in a good way. I, you know, like the cloud analogy is a great one. Um, you know, think of the, your, the thoughts in your mind is you're not trying to push clouds away. You're just trying to, you're just observing the clouds go. Sometimes they obscure the sun. Sometimes they don't. And your job is just to watch them and 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 not to get too fixated on them. And I, that really, and that one, uh, the other analogy they had was uh, sitting on a park bench, on a public corner, and just watching cars go by. And I was like, and you're like, pretend the cars are your thoughts, and you're just watching cars go by. And I'm like, those two analogies really helped me kind of break through some of those misconceptions we were talking about earlier. So I, that's like that was a, also my that was an introduction for me as well to the to meditation. Yeah, and I think around that time, I picked up The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And like, I, like I've said many, many times before, that book was a game changer for me. It, it really inspired the idea of building a wake-up early habit. Like I think that's right around the time when I started doing it. I was like, I need to build a wake-up early habit. I want If I can just get up early, then I'll have time to meditate. And I was kind of envisioning this amazing morning routine this morning ritual you know like getting up when the sun comes up and having some tea and and uh meditating and reading and having a really peaceful morning you know because that's what i needed that's what my body was craving at that time so anything i could i read that that kind of felt that way is what i gravitated towards 
And so The Miracle Morning was a book that I picked up after searching for help on a morning routine, like how to, how to wake up early, you know, like that, that book came up. But in that Miracle Morning, he talked about building a, a series of habits, and one of them was silence. He didn't even call it meditation. He called it silence, which I actually appreciated because as someone who is you know, new to meditation, I, I didn't know. I had pre- preconceived notions as well. So when he said silence, I'm like, that sounds like something I could do. Like, yeah, I just really want to sit in silence. Like no one bothers me. And, you know, you're not going to sleep. You're 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 paying attention. So it's like active silence. You know, you're you're just sitting there watching. So and he was like, you just got to do five minutes a day. And I'm like, I can do five minutes. You know, like you think when a lot of people talk about meditation, they're like meditating for an hour or something. It's not even it doesn't have to be like that. You can you can just check in and sit for a minute if you want. I mean, you can meditate right now while listening to this podcast. You can meditate anytime, any anywhere. So that was my, um, I guess, extra push into building it as a real habit, building it into my routine so I can do it on a daily basis. And and man, I really started to see results. I mean, what so like let's talk about what someone experiences when they start to notice results. Um, what what did you experience, George? Well, and, and that's a good um, that's that's a good topic to bring up too, because there can be a lot of going back to the misconceptions. There can be a lot of uh, you can at least I had a lot of expectations that I was you know loading up on top of the of the of the meditation sit. So it's like, and that's another interesting thing too. And I think you and I have talked about this before is that pe- people can have different experiences from these things, even if you do the same technique as somebody else. Um, you're some people are more sensitive to these things and they have uh, a more dramatic effect on other people. So I found that I'm an under sensitive meditator. So I have less, um, you know, it's harder for me to, to like, it's taken me longer basically to get to some of these places that some people get to in three months, took me over a year, year and a half. So Mm. in, First, like what to expect. One of them is to expect like to put some time in. <laughs> I mean, you may not, you, you know, there's, there's people that sit down and have dramatic experiences off the bat or within you know weeks. Well, what's, or a, what's a dramatic experience for well, someone who's listening and they're like, what, what, what is he talking about? I, you know, I can't tell you cause I don't, I've never really had any and, but I've read about them and you see them in other blog. I've seen my blog posts and some message boards that I, uh, that I participate in where people talk about having, you know, these deep, uh, blissful, you know, full, mm. you know, separation of the ego from the, from the, from the body and, you know, all these kind of things. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, and we've talked about this before on, on the podcast, where I, you know, I'm a direct experience guy. So it's like, it, I'm not going to read into an experience that I've had just because I, you know, it was described a certain way to me if, if i feel something i'm gonna actually this was that was in that robert monroe book that journeys uh, out of the body where he's like you know some people have a more poetic uh, description of something so it's hard to tell if people are having uh, more profound experiences or if they're just more poetic about um you know the experiences that they do have but i mean yeah. so it's hard to it, that's what's one of the one of the tricky things about meditation is that it's so um, subjective, you know, it's like, I, you can't get more subjective than that. So it's hard to really know what someone else is experiencing, but, you know, from listening to a lot of, you know, uh, I don't want to call them gurus, but you know, meditation guys that are well known, I'm trying to think of some names off the top of my head, but I can't do it. But, 
you know, you, you watch, you, you read lectures from these guys and, and they talk about, you know, they have been doing this for a long time and, and it's some, some days are better than others. I mean, I just, I'd say about six weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, but I had some, some, uh, I don't know how deep we want to get into some of these conversations, for, you know, for the intro of meditation, but mm-hmm. it's pretty profound. And I don't know how to explain the, the experiences to someone who doesn't meditate, but these, and I never thought that I'd be the person that would say, you know, use the words like inner energy or whatever, but I, there's no other word for it, you know, and, and there's some words that they, that some of these, uh, systems will you know label these things and i i don't, I don't really do that because i don't have a name for it i'm just like it just it's a physical sensation and that's a, that's all i can really say that it is it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know but it's unmistakable it's not like i'm reading you know reading into these experiences but i can't really describe how they how they work it's a, it's a weird it's a weird thing and it was actually kind of <laughs> disorienting the first time it happened i was like what is going on but it was also a nice confirmation that something is was happening but um, I mean, I would say that for, if you're just starting out in meditation, what you're, you know, the, the trickiest thing is really to, to, to sit still long enough. I mean, it's more about your, your body to, to start out with than, than your mind. It's more about sitting still and being able to not fidget and not, um, you know, not get distracted by the body, you know, itches and things you want to scratch and stuff. And I think for a lot of people, that might be the most um, dramatic first experiences when they finally, you know, most people don't sit quietly. You and I are introverts, so we are used to being alone, you know, recharging your batteries on your own. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're used to having some, you know, a lot of people I know, especially my, my extroverted friends, you know, they, they don't, they're, they're not by themselves a lot. They're very, they don't, they, they get anxious when they're not around other people and have stimulation. So yeah. A lot of people, that could be the most dramatic experiences is to really see how how insane your thought processes really are. How, or let's just, I shouldn't say insane, let's just say how how runaway they are, how active they are, and how little you mm-hmm. have control over it. So, yeah, that reminds me of a. I asked one of my coworkers a year ago about meditation, and she's a, an extrovert, definitely. Um, she explained, she's like, Oh, I don't like to meditate. And I was like, Really? Why? And she's like, Oh, because, you know, bad stuff likes to come up and I don't want to deal with it. You know, like I don't like to, I don't like to hear my thoughts or see what I'm, you know, like. So I think meditation can be scary for some people because, you know, if they're just sitting there, like they'll start to have a lot of thoughts to come up and then they repeat and they keep coming back. You know, and you don't want to try to react to them, but then they keep coming back. And then a lot of them are negative talk, negative self-talk, things about like, am I doing this right Oh, yeah, that's another thing that every first time meditator is going to experience. Am I doing this correctly? Am I doing it right? Oh, I have an itch. Should I scratch it? What do I do? Oh, my back hurts. You know, all these little things, all those little things come up. And but that's just like the basics. But then once you get past that stuff, you might be having thoughts about like that thing you're really worried about that's on your mind, keeps creeping back in Mm -hmm. and it starts to. You'll, you'll have it'll that, that thought form will build upon itself. It'll snowball into something else. Like you'll have a, a trailing thought after that. You'll get sucked into a spiral. And sometimes if you think a lot of negative thoughts, there's a chance that you can get sucked into a negative thought spiral where, you know, things just getting worse and worse. And you're like, I got to stop meditating. I can't look into my mind like this. This isn't right. I'm going to be done. I'm afraid to meditate. I'm going to go out and do something active, you know. Well, I mean, that's you. all that stuff is a thousand percent true. I mean, that's what I think is you know the power of meditation is that a lot of times we you know our society and the way we live our lives most people 
is designed to kind of distract yourself from what is actually going on up there. And your friend who said that is, it's a very telling statement to say, I don't want to know. <laughs> you know, it's funny to me because that's like the opposite of way I've always thought is like, I really want, I want to dig deeper. She's <laughs> like, I don't want to know what's going on in there. I'm like, how could you like, you're, 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 you're stuck in there. Why are you not, why don't you want to know how to, how to sort all that stuff out? But I think what, you know, it's very, it's very insightful. That a lot, a lot, you know, what she said, and you know, she knew herself well enough to know that she, she might, that might freak people out. And they, and I read an article recently that, you know, they warn people about that. You're not used to looking within, you know, I think you and I are both introspective people, but you know, my nature before we got into meditation. So kind of, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, we align with it a little, a little quicker, but if you're not met, cause, and, and speaking of that negative uh, spiral of self-talk, um, you know, that was one of the reasons I got into meditation, uh, why I was really serious about at the beginning was a book I read and I can't remember the author, but the book was called the mindful way through depression. And it was, if you deal with depression, that book was really, really good. It was one of the best books I've read. And he actually had some other stuff besides meditation there, but wow, he, yeah. 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 He talked about, you know, omega three and, and getting a full spectrum lamp and some other things that really, I think really bene- I benefited from, but, but it was a really uh, helpful book to kind of sort through, you know, his idea was, focused on rumination and rumination being um, where you're, you're thinking, like you said before, you're thinking over and over and over about these thoughts and they could be negative thoughts. And a lot of times we do have negative self-talk. We have that inner judge. We have that inner critic. And uh, that's, it's just on auto, you know, it's on repeat autopilot. That's just constantly going. And uh, that's why the, the mindful, excuse me, the mindful way through depression book, he recommended meditation because he's like, this gives you an ability to watch these patterns. And, to, and when you see them going into these spirals to be able to step aside or to, to avoid them. And that's really what, when I, when I read that, I was like, that's what I need, man. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting sucked into these whirlpools of, of negative, uh, you know, thought, like what you call them thought forms. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, I mean, and that can be, so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a great thing that you brought up because, that that might be something that if you haven't if you haven't looked within before, you could indeed find some things in there that you could go, wow, this is you know, it's like there's some crazy stuff going on there. So, you know, for guys like us who are a little more uh you know, partial to that kind of process, probably even before, you know, I would say we would be probably doing similar things to meditation before we even formally did anything. Yeah. But if you if you're not used to that, it could be a little it can be a little disconcerting, but yeah, I think you have to approach it in a way that, well, the good thing about meditation is you don't have to do anything about those thoughts. You just have to notice them. So like you don't, the, the whole point is to not react to the thoughts. But so if you're going to see them, if you're going to see thoughts that you don't like or emotions might creep up, I mean, you can get into a deep state where some real subconscious stuff might creep up. But I think for most beginners, they're not even going to get that far. They're still going to be stuck on the day-to-day to-do list, things that, things that, you know, they remember someone said that was really bothering them and all this kind of stuff. They're going to keep returning to them, but that's important to know. I think so. So, so you have to approach meditation, not just from doing it, but I think you should learn about how to deal with what comes up in meditation. So one of the, one of the things that really helped me was the Sean Webb, I am spirituality podcast. Mm -hmm. He really blew the doors wide open for me in terms of what meditation can do for you because so I wasn't into spirituality at all. I actually had a negative uh, 
bias towards religion and spiritual. Like I just thought it wasn't, I was kind of an agnostic atheist or whatever at that point. I was like, prove it to me, whatever, like, you know, stop yeah. preaching to me kind of thing. So, but when I first read a book by Sean Webb called How Emotions Work in Humans and Computers, I was actually, so I was listening to the smart passive income. So I was like, you can see where I was at at this point. I was an entrepreneur. I'm listening to a, blog, a podcast about earning a passive income. And he was interviewing Sean Webb about emotions. And it kind of, he talked a lot about how we are not our emotions and we are not our thoughts. And, and this was before I was into meditation, but this is how I got introduced to Sean Webb. And so he had a whole like, um, equation that he had developed called the equation of emotion and you've got your sense of self in the center of this whole world and then you've got your thoughts swimming around it and then you've got your attachments basically is what it is so it's about ego and attachment and i don't want to get into that that's pretty deep stuff but he he helped me understand that i am not my thoughts and there's a separation there and then when i started meditating you actually put your perspective in this as the observer and you can watch a thought form and then go away and then form and then go away and come back. And then you can see, and then all of a sudden you forget that you were even meditating and you're like, Oh my gosh, I've been thinking about something for like the past two minutes. I totally forgot. I got to go back to my breath. And, you know, and so then you start to see how you can get trapped in them. But then you, then that realization there, that's when you snap into a different, um, different state of consciousness. And so you start to become the observer and so through Sean Webb, listening, I started listening to his podcast, which was called I Am Spirituality. And I was like, I don't want to listen to this. It's <laughs> spiritual. But I listened to his like full length version of his uh, Body, Mind, Spirit 101. Um, first few episodes of his podcast. Definitely go listen to those. The Body, Mind, Spirit 101 on IamSpirituality.com. He explains it in a way that's a lot more appealing to people who have more scientific brains, who have a lot more like they're not into spirituality. So they're into more like practical, like everyday stuff. So he we broke it down in a way that was really I was really able to understand. And he would talk about books and he recommended Eckhart Tolle. And as he always talked about Eckhart Tolle and a bunch of other authors. So I was like adding stuff to my my uh, wish list, you know, all the time, all these books. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to read this one. And I want to read this one. And then right around that same time, a friend of mine lent me The Power of Now. And that one also, that, that just took, it just made meditation so much more meaningful to me. Like I through that, knowing that I'm not my thoughts, what the power of now, the present moment, all this kind of stuff started building for me. So my meditation habit took on a life, a practice of its own that was more meaningful. And I started to get what I was doing, you know, so that, that was a breakthrough. Well, you know, it's a it's a good point to bring up the, um, you know, like you said, without getting too deep into the you are not your thoughts uh, concept. But, you know, taking a step back from that, um, you know, we, we talked earlier about how, it, you know, it might be a little scary to to see how your your mind's off the rails with how much, you know, all the thinking that's going on that you're not in control of. But on the opposite side of that, I'd like to kind of balance that with uh, you know a positive uh, experience that I had, which really told me this was this happened last this last fall. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that there's any time frame that you got to meditate for 1.3 years before this to ha- for this to happen. But mm-hmm. I caught myself one day in a situation where I sensed some there was I had some anxiety, and I don't want there's no re- real reason to get into the specifics, but I was having some anxiety about like. You know, some self-esteem issues. I was, you know, put, put myself out there and, and 
took a risk and the results weren't as I had, you know, anticipated them. So I could feel the anxiety coming up where you're kind of, you know, you, you have that, that thought process in your brain started to go like, oh, why'd you do that? You know, you shouldn't have done it. You should have just played it safe. Shouldn't have, you know, whatever. But then I realized, and I, when those thought pro- or those uh, thoughts started you know, taking place, I could sense that my body was starting to like literally kick into, it was almost like I could feel the chemicals starting to re- be released in order to have anxiety, you know, like the adrenaline and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it occurred to me in the middle of that whole process, you know, speaking of the observer is I was like, I was, I was, that's what I did. I was observing that whole process happen. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to let this happen. I don't have to let these thoughts continue. And I don't have to let this uh, anxiety and these emotions take over. I can just choose to not have those things happen. And I, I just stopped them. And I was like, holy shit, I you can do that. You know, and, and I didn't, I, it, that was the big breakthrough for me. I would have to say where I was like, that's the that's the benefit of meditation is going back to that initial definition of familiarization where i was familiar with how how these and and i don't know if my brain is any less hectic up there or my mind is any less hectic in the in the thoughts that, that are going through there it's it's better but it's still it still gets pretty crazy at times but but i'm able to see the patterns and see the see how it works and then when, when something comes up that I don't want to have happen, uh, you know, like I said, this anxiety was coming up and being able to observe it objectively and go, Hey, wait a minute. I can, I don't have to identify with that. Um, you know, with that whole, that whole cascading thing that's about to happen. I can just stop it and go, Nope, that's not, I'm not, we're not going to do that. And I was like, that was a huge thing for me. And I think, uh, you know, yeah. that's when people say they don't, you know, like I don't want to know. I don't. I don't want to know what I'm thinking. But it's like when you know what you're thinking and you know how you think, then you can like. It's like a you know. It's like a little kid who does. Um, you know, is trying to pull a fast one on their parents. It's like you can see it a mile away. They're not. They're not old enough to be good at lying yet. And it's like when you pay attention to your thought processes, you can see these things coming up way before they have a chance to to carry you away. You know, and. and get you into a state of depression or a state of anxiety or, or anger or whatever you can. And I think that's where the power is. I don't know if you're necessarily can you know, avoid the emotions, but what you're doing is you're seeing them come at you from like, you have the perspective of a thousand miles. So it's like, you're, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not sideswiped by these things anymore. And if that was what your experience was in the past, it could, I think, you know, I think that's where anybody could benefit from this stuff is just being more, you know, it's like, you know, the park that I hike in regularly, you know, I, I know that place like the back of my hand now, but when I first started hiking there, I didn't know where I was going. I, I would get lost in, in the, you know, on the trails and stuff. Now it's like, I know that better than I know my neighborhood some, to some degree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the same with the meditation. I feel like you're, what you're doing is you're, you're just, you're, you're really getting to know the territory so that when something does happen, you're like, nope, there, there comes that again. And that's going to go to this and that's going to lead here. And that's all, all hidden. It, 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 being able to have that perspective is is super super handy. <laughs> you know what I mean, so yeah, that that um, power, that light of consciousness, that awareness. Think of it like a spotlight, you know. And it's and then you can say, so if I told you, focus on your stomach area, like it feels like you've just put your attention there. Now bring it to your head. It feels like you know you can know you know what I'm talking about, like intuitively, you know that you can now observe what's going on in your head and now your foot, you know? So what that, what that's like, is like a spotlight 
and you can and a lot of times you have you can imagine the spotlight shrinking or growing big you know like you're focusing it like a laser pointer on or maybe you're you're expanding it so it's really really bright and it's really wide so that's like think of that as an analogy and there's different states of consciousness that we might have where our our focus is like a laser maybe it is on a task and there's like a whole coffee shop full of chit chat going on behind us but yet we're like rocking and rolling on a thing that we're really into and that is like a laser pointed consciousness there's like hard to get hard to infiltrate that but you're really focused and tightly you don't even know what's going on around you so it's like but then when you expand the consciousness the awareness if you can then you start to get a big picture of like what is like you can start to hear conversations going on in the coffee shop and everything like that but okay so that is sort of the analogy that that your awareness is like a spotlight. So, and your thought patterns, imagine them like little criminals running around in the, in a dark alley and they're just like up to no good. And if you don't pay attention to them, they're just going to do their shit and, you know, like run off with some valuable thing, you know, and they're, they're just going to do what they want. But when you shine the spotlight on them, it's like they're caught like deer in the headlights and they stop. It's like, just by looking at it, it like doesn't do anything. Imagine like, so like sit there and do this, like exercise as you're listening, like, What's my next thought going to be? And sit there and wait for it. And you're waiting for it. And it might take a few seconds before a thought actually comes in. You know what I mean? And that brief moment that you have there is like, is that that moment of inner peace or whatever, that moment of no thought that, right. uh, that a lot of people talk about. And so you experience this, this clearing of the mind just for a split second. So that's a real simple exercise that you can do to experience what it is to have that space where there is no thought. Now imagine having no thought for like an hour. Like that is incredible. That's not going to happen. Okay. You're going to get a thought, <laughs> but, but that, that had that spotlight of awareness, like George, you said when you are experiencing a trigger or something that's, that's causing you to have anxiety, the more you practice this meditation, the more you're like going to snap into an awareness where the spotlight's going to shine on that thought or that emotion immediately. And then you actually were able to witness like the feeling of like cortisol, coming into your body to, to the stress hormone, you know, like kind of just filling you up with adrenaline. Like you're able to experience it from when it started. And then you can, when you have that space of awareness, you can then say, I have a choice. What do I want to do? Do I want to go into that thought and continue to ruminate? Maybe it's going to lead me to a downward spiral or I actually have free will. I can try to, I can choose to not believe that thought and do something completely different. And that's that's an advanced stage where you start to once you get familiar with your thoughts and your patterns, you can start to change them and choose different ones and realize that you do have power to ch- literally choose a new thought and then make that new thought the habit. Because a lot of these repetitive negative thoughts are simply just habits that we've never even paid attention to. They've kind of run our life since childhood. And and it's important that we start to pay attention to those things. And yeah, I so so I love the spotlight idea, like shining the light of awareness. And you do that with anything, whether it's an emotion in your body or a thought. So you can meditate on your thoughts and, and meditate on your emotions. I think getting to know both of those is is equally beneficial. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's some good information. I, I, I the spotlight example is pretty accurate too. I mean, it's it's that's what you're doing is you're you're. You're paying attention to those those little criminals, man. They're 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 not criminals. They're little, they're little troublemakers, man. They're I picture them like little trolls, like just with right, a fucking gremlins, bad attitude, like a little gremlin. They're just like they know that they're doing something wrong, but you're not paying attention, so they can get away with it. Well, it's uh, 
Yeah, we could. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go off on too many different topics because like we're, tr- we're trying to keep it a little bit more towards the in- intro side of things. So I'm going to I'm going to stop my thought process there. But, you know, well, can with- I share something with a, like to kind of I'm going to bring it up a little bit, a little I'll bring it up a level a little bit. So when Sean, <laughs> Sean Webb had it. Oh, go ahead. Before you do that, there was one thing that I wanted to. Um, you know, before we go too far down into, you know, the theoretical side of it, maybe we could talk a little bit more um, about the practical side of it, uh, you know, the technique side of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what you, what you do specifically, how often you do it, um, you know, like where, when, how you sit, what you do when you sit, you know, and stuff like that. Cause I mean, some of these things I think can be, I know I, I'm actually, you know, I have this never ending blog post I'm working on a draft of about like kind of like what I would tell someone because I, I bring this stuff up to people a lot. I'm like, what's my, what's my two minute pitch that I can sell somebody with this on? And a lot of people have the same questions of, of like, well, what do I got to get special clothes or sit in this? And I'm like, no, you don't got to, you can, I've meditated on the airplane next to people and I've had some of the best meditations ever in, in like super crowded, noisy places. So it's like, there's a lot of these things where I think people might think, oh, I need to have incense burning and, you know, I got a special room in my house. It's like you, you really don't. So it's like uh, maybe maybe you could talk about like, like I said, you know, yeah, what you do, when you do it, how, where and why and all that kind of stuff. So like I said, when I first started, I went to my car and turned right. on the, turned on the Headspace app and just like let him guide me into knowing what to do. And then and then when I felt comfortable, I would try to do it without guide you know just doing it to myself like not being my own guide basically and when i did the five minutes of silence in my morning routine i um did it on a chair just like my dining room chair i just kind of sat in it because i had a back and i would put my hands on my knees feet flat on the floor back straight close my eyes put my focus on my nostrils area and and kind of felt my breath going in and out and then i had to maintain my attention on my breath um, well, first I started a timer on my phone so I would know when five minutes is up and then, so I would pay attention to the breath coming in and out. And then anytime I felt like I got distracted from, from my breath, I was, I forgot that I was, what I was doing. I would just take note of it and then go back to my breath and then see if I can last for five minutes. And then timer would go off and I'd be like, oh, I just meditated for five minutes. Cool. And I would check it off my list. Didn't have to worry about it for the rest of the day. And then I would do it tomorrow, same time tomorrow, you know, so that was is that's as easy as it as it can possibly be. Basically, you can do it anywhere. Like like you said, you did it on a plane. Close your eyes, start observing your thoughts, start observing your body and, and what's going on around you. So without judging or falling into it. What about you? Well, it, before we hop on me, is that so is that what you do now? What's your what's your regular practice these days? So I went and bought myself a meditation cushion. Because I wanted to sit um, without a back, without a chair, basically. I wanted to sit Indian style or cross-legged. Um, and, I've, and I've done laying down meditations too. And I noticed, though, when I do laying down meditations, I'll have a tendency sometimes to fall asleep. Um, that's the other thing you got to be careful of. If you know, there's a you could fall asleep if you're meditating, you know, if you're too comfortable. So you kind of want to put yourself in a position that's not that comfortable. But what I do now is I'll do, I'll meditate wherever I feel like it. I mean, in the, in the mornings, I usually have two places. Well, in my house, I usually have two places and that's in the basement where my meditation cushion is. It's a special thing I bought on Amazon. It's got like, it's like a, I don't know. It was kind of expensive. It's a, just look up meditation cushion. It's like a combination of a, 
like a cat or dog mat, if you can picture that, like a little dog bed <laughs> with like a um, a round cushion that's like pretty sturdy that you can sit on and it doesn't kind of squish down too far. It's not like a pillow. It's like a sturdy cushion. So when you sit on it and you can kind of put your legs down Indian style and it doesn't cut off all your circulation. Mm. So if you can't sit Indian style or cross-legged, like a lot of you might have seen yoga meditation masters do, you don't even have to do that. You can just sit with your hands on your knees or whatever in a chair. So, but that's what I do now. And that's my ideal spot. That's where I've got incense. If I want to burn it, I can do that. I don't have a shrine. I don't have any statues of Buddha sitting up or anything like that. That's just sitting in my basement. Um, but I would like it if it was in a warmer room in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have a place because the annoying thing is I can't go somewhere where a cat's not going to go. Cats will always get on me. <laughs> um, they like to mess you up when you're meditating. Um, the other place I like to do it is in my, our spare bedroom. I've got a bed there and I'll either sit on it and it's a good height, you know, where my feet aren't too, where my knees aren't too bent, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, that's the other spot that I do it. I try, I can't do it on the couch. It's just not the right height and there's too many distractions in there. The clock's ticking and all that crap. Um, you know, like a, a, a wall clock is ticking away. Right. So yeah, that's my, my two places. And you do, you still do a breath focus and you, and, how, and what's your durations? Oh yeah. Good question. George, you asked, you asked a lot of good questions. <laughs> so I did, I sometimes alternate between mindfulness meditation, which is basically the observer, the whole detachment of your thoughts. That's mindfulness meditation, also known as Vipassana. If you want to get fancy, um, but I'll do that, but then I'll also do meditations that are more in a spiritual nature, more of like, I'm connecting deep with myself. Like I'll talk to myself. I'll love myself. I'll send, send, I'll try to play with energy. I'll try to like feel energy in different parts of my body and see. And then when I say, if I focus on my heart area, like I just kind of try to picture that my eyes are inside my chest, like where my heart is. I'll notice like a, a physical sensation start to happen around that area. And I, I start to notice that wherever I place my awareness, after a few moments of physical sensation starts to occur. And it's almost like your attention activates it. Like it's it's like it knows that you're looking at it. It's 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 really weird. So I would start to play with that and feel what it's like, the different sensations of blood or energy going through my body, my hands tingling. Um, I would do guided meditations on different states of emotion. So like I would be, say if I'm doing a gratitude meditation, I would visualize or picture or remember moments where I felt really thankful for something. And then I would feel the gratitude. So it's not just a thought of like, yeah, I'm thankful, but I would feel the gratitude. And then I would kind of try to like feel what that really feels like and remember that feeling. So it's like when you can kind of get good at remembering that feeling of gratitude, then you can kind of access it quicker like you could build up a muscle memory it's like playing a guitar like which is something i'm learning right now you know once you know where the chords are you practice it for a while you'll be you, your muscles know where to go so you could do the same thing with emotional states and so and relaxation states and too. relaxation states absolutely so it's like you know the difference between when your body's agitated and then and when, when it's relaxed and then maybe when it's really tired and there's a difference between that you know the subtle difference between what's relaxed and content versus tired and exhausted or subtle differences between what gratitude feels like and what joy feels like or what 
creative accomplishment feels like. And so those are all sorts of different experiments I'll do. And I'll get in that emotion and I'll sit with that emotion and really spend some time in it. And then I start, it starts to kind of go through my whole body. I'll feel it different areas. It's like, whoa, it's getting bigger. I'm like, then I start to feel like I want to cry. And I've had a couple of meditations where I've actually cried before. And I would have these ex- moments of bliss and it was incredible stuff. And it's like, wow, this is this is all happening with my with just being here. And it has nothing to do with thoughts or you don't even have to have any sort of spiritual meaning behind it. But this is all sort of stuff that you can experience. So that's different than mindfulness meditation, which is most what most beginners start with. Okay, cool. And then just on a side note there that uh, your, your comment about being aware of the muscle memory and building up that familiarization, that's, that's, a, that's a huge insight that I have recently where I'm like, yeah, what you're doing here is you're, you're learning how it feels to be relaxed so that you know, like it's easier to get into that state once you're, you're like, you can recognize the symptoms. So like way easier for me to like get into the meditation state of mind and body when I sit down now, cause I'm like, Nope, I can feel, I know how it feels. I can get into that a lot quicker. It's, I mean, it's really mm-hmm. it's the whole ride on the bike analogy. Once you feel the, the balance, then you know what you're aiming for now, you know, it's a lot easier to get back there the second time and the third time. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it is like practicing guitar. It's the same. You're, you're practicing your scales, man. You're just, you're learning <laughs> to get those, get to when we're up that left hand. So I never thought of it that way until, I mean, I, that, that never, ever, ever crossed my mind until just, past month or so i went to a group i got a group meditation at this place called uh, the light within in lakewood um, i only been there one time but it was a meditation on surrender so you would set intentions for the new year and then you would surrender them to the universe or to your higher self or whatever it is so it, it definitely has a spiritual bent to it but what it is is letting go of the attachment to outcomes and so what does it feel like to let something go and surrender and then feel safe knowing that you don't have to be in control that's a state of being. And so like you can feel what that feels like in that state of being. Once you get comfortable in that state of being, you can start to live your life like that. And it's a really sort of content space. So it's, it reduces a lot of stress when you feel like you can let go. You don't have to control everything and things start to, you know, you'll start to see, I'm sorry, you'll start to see things fall into place that might feel like luck or, you know, coincidence or something like that. And then you start to trust the, the surrendering process, but I haven't got into that. That's a new thing for me. Um, but it's, it helped me become aware when, when the teacher said the muscle memory and I'm like, Oh yes. And it's like cellular memory too, where your body just knows what being in a good state of relaxation feels like. So you can easily just access it. So it's a very, that's an awesome little aha moment that I had. And, and it's good that you had it too, George. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. That we, it's, we definitely had a parallel experience there. Now, what what um, what kind of duration do you do for these things? Is it very similar, or are they different depending on the meditation that you do? Or yeah, I I do like ten minutes a day. That's my basic. Um, I used to do longer, twenty minutes, but sometimes it's really hard for me to sit there without feeling some sort of back pain or something like that. And with a twenty minute meditation, I know with practice it'd get better, but. 10 minutes is my norm norm. And if I'm really feeling rushed, I'll just do five minutes, but most of the time it's 10. And and that's a good point to bring up too, in case we don't touch back on this is it's more important to to meditate regularly. And if you can every day, like if you can only do one minute, do one minute, but it's better to 
it's think of it like uh, I had a good analogy the other day. I was thinking it's like flossing. You can't floss for the whole week on Sunday. You know what I mean? You can't catch up on your flossing. You have to. The only way flossing works is if you do it. Uh, you know, when you brush your teeth in the morning and you brush your teeth at night. So it's the same with the meditation. Right? You have to do it every day, and it's better to do one minute or five minutes than it is to do zero. So it's in, in, in stacking them up on in one day a week is, is far less ideal. Cause you're, you, what you're trying to do is um, like you said, you're trying to build a, a muscle memory. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a rehearsal. It's not, um, you're not trying to cram. So. Yeah. The, the, what's the, um, I'm going to, I want to ask you, George, what the best benefit that you've seen. Um, my, the best benefit that I feel like I've seen is I've been, able to be mindful almost 24 7 now i mean sure i'm not completely mindful while i'm sleeping that that would be that's that's the, the perpetual state of awakeness you know that like a, an enlightened master might get into but but i've been i feel like i'm mindful way more than i'm not mindful and right. meditation has helped me so it's almost like i can spot patterns before they start i know when something's going to happen I can see my emotions a mile away, right, right as they're starting, and it's awesome to witness it when you have more like extreme emotions, like anger. So if you get into if something really pisses you off, like just just take driving and traffic for example. Right. If some guy cuts you off, you may never even if you may have reacted in the past and and done whatever you do. You know, you may have yelled, or maybe if you're more passive, you might have felt intimidated and kind of scaled yourself back and felt mad, but you didn't let it out. But with the mindfulness practice, with meditation, um, it helps you know what know what to do at all times, even when you're not meditating. It's like you feel the anger trigger kind of come in and you're just like, and then you can notice it. And then you start watching it. You start feeling it. You don't have to react. You can just watch it and you see, oh, this is what anger feels like. Ah, OK, I see it. And, and then actually re- reduces the amount of pain that it feels because that's a whole other thing. Like emotions feel they feel painful. They feel bad and like bad emotions do. Good emotions feel great, right? But then the problem that people have is they add thought-based um, judgment to their emotions, which causes suffering. And that's the whole deal behind Buddhism and stuff is the elimination of suffering. And the whole reason why people meditate a lot is to detach them, detach their thoughts from their state of being so they can feel the emotion without any judgment on it. So they can feel anger and don't not really have any suffering associated with being mad. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I totally do. And it's, it's, it's a good word of, the, of judgment because that brings me up to, you know, the biggest benefit that I've seen. And this was a, this was an awesome, awesome moment I had leaving the grocery store because I'm sure I am not alone because you read this in every single book about this kind of stuff, but particularly for meditation. But, um, you know, I, I have that, you have the constant, that, that inner critic. It's like I, I, I refer to him as my, as my asshole friend on the inside, because it's like this guy who just has to judge everything, judging how someone else looks and judging how, what someone else is listening to or saying or thinking or do all this constantly going on. And, uh, you know, and then, and, and speaking of the Sean Webb podcast, like I definitely, he opened my eyes up to realize like, Oh wait, that's just my ego trying to defend itself from feeling, you know, like it's has less, by putting other people down. So it's an interesting thing to, to do, but you know, that's, that's a little bit off, off the subject here, but the, the experience at the grocery store was, you know, that inner judge, that little judgmental voice was going on. And I actually had the thought, like, would you just shut up? And it was like, I, I realized that I wasn't identifying with that inner uh, 
inner judgmental voice anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was now able to go, that's not me. That's, and that's a, it's a, I don't, I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could have grasped it back when I first started meditating, but now that I've been immersing myself in this stuff, it, it was very obvious when it happened, but I was like, yeah, that was, but it was a very liberating feeling where I'm like, Oh, I don't have to identify with that, 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 condescending, criticizing, judgmental voice in my head, that is part of my mind. And those are thoughts that are going on, but I don't have to, those don't, I don't, those aren't necessarily me. And I can just, I can stand aside. Like I said, that's just my friend who's a big jerk and can't keep his mouth shut saying all that stuff all the time. And the less you pay attention to that voice, the less it pipes up. So that, that's been a huge, you know, I don't know if I could say that I've had, um, you know, the same experience as you with the, uh, the, the 24-7 mindfulness. I, it, it's definitely improved my mindfulness, you know. Yeah, so. I can't say it's 24-7, even close. I mean, there's times where I'm definitely being pulled into a thought form. And and then it and then but what usually happens is like a hindsight mindfulness, like <laughs> afterward. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I see what was going on. You know what I mean? And then I guess the better you get at it, the more the, the time, the space between when you recognize what's going on or you become aware by the time you reacted shrinks and to the right. point where you're basically just on it all the time without even thinking about it. Right. That's great. I love the hindsight mindfulness. That's, that's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the disidentification with, with the, the chattering of the mind has been a big one for me, like I said earlier, but, but um, yeah, so that's interesting, man. You have, you have a, I, I just cracks me up because, you know, even from our first conversation about all this stuff, like you and I are definitely the, the yin yang of uh, experiences because I'm like the opposite than, of you for my my practice. <laughs> I have, uh, it's cool. I feel like I'm got. I've, I well, I know myself. I've got a more emotional energy, a more feminine energy. You know that if you want to, if you get into the divine masculine, divine feminine energies, what those are. You know, feminine energy is a lot more in tune with emotion and you know that kind of stuff. And then the masculine energy is a lot more focused on um, action and doing. You know what I mean. And so yeah. I think I think it's a good that's a great balance. The yin yang is a perfect example, perfect metaphor for yeah, the dynamic. It's just funny how how as you were talking, I was just cracking up because I'm like, because you're like, yeah, I tried this, I'm doing that, I'm going for these, and I'm like, man, I am like a drill sergeant with my practice. It's like very regimented, very uh, you know, <laughs> I, I stick with the same thing because like my whole thing is like you know, again going back to my scientist uh, approach, but it's like. I wanted I wanted to stick with very particular pre- techniques because I wanted to analyze them and see how they worked. And I was like, it's no different than like a, an elimination diet. So, which I also did that too to figure out why I was having some food issues. But you know, to me, this is like uh, the same kind of thing, but for the brain. I, was, I wanted to know, okay, if I change this, I have to keep it consistent so I can change things and see how they how my experience of it changes. So I've been, I mean, I like I. Like you, I started out with the, the Headspace app, and I did the, um, you know, the, the attention of the breath at the nostrils, you know, as it exited the nostrils, which is a great first meditation for anybody to do. Is to, I mean, you could do that forever; you don't have to ever change it. That could be your meditation for the rest of your life. But yeah. I started out with that, and then, and I did the, you know, I, I picked up that from the that, uh, Mindful Way Through Depression book, and then I picked up the Headspace app. And they, they also use the, uh, the, the breath focus uh, technique, which I did. But then I got into, um, 
because I want to do some more research and I'm, you know, some, again, I, I have like, I get antsy about some things. I, I, I like to read too much sometimes before I do things. And uh, I stumbled across this website that they basically touted themselves like an open source yoga um, system. And I guess mm. it's a good thing to also mention that, you know, the word yoga, sometimes people think of yoga as like the exercise, like you mentioned earlier, you're trying to have yoga classes. Yeah. But really, you know, for people that aren't familiar that are listening, the the yoga exercise yoga is what they would refer to as asanas, which is just a Sanskrit word for, you know, postures or poses. And really uh, from like the research that I've done, most of that was designed to help people sit in meditation. So the idea was you, you did the, the exercises to help you be able to sit longer in order to meditate longer. So, when people think of when we, you and I use the word yoga, I think we're probably using it in a more specific way than most people might think. It's not like I don't do any yoga. Like I do yoga, but it's meditation and I do a little bit of stretching, but I don't do any exercise yoga. I just do uh, you know, primarily meditation. But yeah, yoga is to me, there's like a true meaning of yoga, which really I think it just means a practice, like right, a, a regular means, sort of sacred practice. Exactly. So it's, it's like, the the, po, the the exercise yoga that everyone's familiar with is one of eight aspects of what they call, you know, full yoga or uh, traditional yoga. So there's like, it's not like a religion or a system. It's just like a system that says these things help, will help you out. And so a lot of it's like, don't lie and, you know, eat healthy and stuff like that. So there's, you know, aspects for like the body and the mind and the poses are one of them. And those, those just kind of took off, you know, back in the sixties or the seventies as a fitness craze. And Oh yeah. That's all, that's all it is. Now it's marketed as a get in shape, you know, wear your yoga pants fashion. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have nothing, I have no problem with girls in yoga pants, but <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing is not, nothing really related to the, what we're talking about when we use the word yoga, not, not the exercises. There's no, you know, nobody, I don't sweat when I do, you know, it's very, it takes like a minute for me to do the stretches, but, uh, yeah, but I bring that up because the, the system that I, that I stumbled across, they're, they're, they're called advanced yoga practices. And when they use the word yoga, they mean more of the meditation side of things, but they do include some other stuff and it's more, more based on the traditional aspects of, of yoga. So when I, when I use the word yoga, that's what I'm referring to is mostly meditation yoga. What's but, the, uh, what's, what is that called again? What's the website? It's, it's, it's AYPsite.org. So AYP as in uh, advanced yoga practices. And, uh, and it's, it's the guy that started it was uh, he's down in Florida, I guess, but he started this up as a Yahoo group. And it was like kind of an informal discussion on, on a Yahoo chat board about, Hey, we want to do this, but we don't really want to go to India or go to a, get a guru or, you know, whatever. This is kind of like a self-directed thing, which was right up my alley. Cause I was, you know, like when you said you were going to the group meditations, I, you know, that's something I, I might do at some point in time, but it just hasn't been anything that, um, that I've done to, to date. I'm, I'm definitely more of a lone wolf when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so this really, you know, for anybody out there that's listening, this might appeal to them is the guy really is very straightforward in his writing about what's going on. And there, there's some weird stuff in there. I'm not going to deny it. I was like, what is going on here? But what I liked about it was that he was very straightforward about, look, these are some of the techniques. These are some of the things. This is what, this is what you're going to get into. And some of this stuff, you, you find out like the traditional way of learning, you wouldn't have learned this stuff for, for maybe 
five years, you wouldn't be introduced to some of these things by then. You're, you're already like, you know, you know, you, you're, you've already committed to this thing by now and you don't even know what you're committing to. And I, I like the fact that he kind of just laid, like I said, he called it, called it open source yoga. So it was like, Hey, this is what you're getting into. And I was like, I can get into some weird stuff if I know, <laughs> you know what's going on here. George, have you ever heard of uh, transcendental meditation? Well, I, I have, and this system is very similar to transcendental meditation from what I have been able to gather. Um, yeah, because when you talk about like a system of meditation, that's what I think of. I, I don't know much about transcendental meditation aside from a couple of people who I know practice it. Tell me that there's like a fee, a membership fee or something like that. And they've got like this, this really expensive thing and a lot of celebrities do it. So I think that's a lot, a lot of uh, people get introduced into meditation because, you know, they see like Russell Simmons or, you know, some celebrity that they know has, has talked about it. So they get into it. And, but I think the transcendental meditation, the key component is a mantra. So you come up with your own special mantra, which is just a phrase that you say over and over and over and over again. Um, well, yeah, that's uh, the the AYP uh, techniques. That's what they use as a mantra. And I, okay. I mean, he doesn't re- like his idea is this. Uh, here, here's here's some starting points. You decide what you want to do. He's like, here's the information you uh, you develop the practice as you see fit. So he's like, if you want to use breath focus, that's fine. And I was actually very aversive to the whole idea of mantra. It seemed very arbitrary. It seemed kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I was like. Mm-hmm. I don't, and that's another misconception. Like you don't say mantras out loud, which I had no idea. You don't, you repeat them mentally. Um, so, you know, oh, that's important too. Yeah. You're not chanting anything. You can, you can, but, <laughs> yeah, but the chanting is a whole separate thing. So mantras are not, you know, like um, all that kind of stuff. That's not a, that's not how you do mantra meditate, at least not this form. Maybe there I is one, one that they, that they, uh, that he lays out in the lessons is, is totally just, you know, you think, uh, and in fact, the idea is that you, you want to get to the point where you're actually thinking or remembering the thought as opposed to thinking the thought, which is a very subtle distinction. And it's very weird, but you will understand it as you do it more. But, uh, wow, yeah. but yeah, so, so yeah, I, I started out with the breath moved into this and I did the breath focus with this for, with the, with the advanced yoga practice, uh, kind of regimen or techniques or whatever. I did, I did the breath for a long time with that. And then I decided at one point in time, I'm like, you know, I'm going to give the mantra a try, even though I think it's weird and a little bit, you know, kooky. And, you know, I was like, I don't get it. Why, why, what's, what's, what's the point? Who, who chose this word and why, why, you know, this phrase, yeah. but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I did. I, I did it. And I instantaneously, like without a doubt, because I was doing, I'm so consistent with my practice, which I should probably up at a point in a second here but it, 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 i could tell immediately my, my meditations improved like that immediately they were better after i started doing the mantra and i was like okay i don't know what's going on here but they my meditations got profoundly more deep still my mind was more focused I, it was very bizarre to me but uh yeah so what like, can you share what the mantra is well in, in the ayp it's just i am and if you want to spell uh, it yeah that's a good one why a, um, a, is that what a, a, a like the, the word I am, like, you know, I am, but not the word, like, it's not English. It's just the phonetics of the, the sounds. Yeah, yeah. So you think in your head, you repeat the phrase mentally, uh, you know, I am. And he suggests, you know, spelling out A-Y-A-M so you're not thinking of the words. 
um, and what the meaning is behind the words. But um, that's something that really intrigues me. I I'm very curious on that because, you know, you can. One thing I like to say is thank you, um, especially in the gratitude meditations. Just repeat thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, over and over again because you're like appealing to some listener who's listening when you say these mantras, you know, and it, it's like the, uh, the, the universe, the source of all creation, you know, like it gets a kind of mystical, but like there's a, the listener out there that's, that's you, the deepest part of you is listening. And when you say, thank you, you get like, you can get some really intense emotional, um, sensations go throughout your body. Like you'll definitely get a lot of shivers and chills and goosebumps and, um, and I think those are resonant frequencies like happening within your body. It's like your body is paying attention. It's responding to you saying thank you. So when you say I am, it's a, it's a really like metaphysical statement, you know, and it's. I mean, the way he talks about it in his lessons is that you're not supposed to, you know, supposed to is an active word here, but you're not supposed to read, you know, go into the words I am like they shouldn't mean anything in English, like if you're mm-hmm. in a different language, you're speaking a different language, you still want to use that same. So he says about the, it's about the sound. There's like, there's uh, modifications to them, to the mantra later on that you can add. And they, they have nothing to do with uh, any meaning or anything. So I see what you're saying, but in this system, they, they're saying at least at that, for, for this, he said, you're not uh, focusing on any meaning behind these words. These are just sounds that you're trying to. That's a good point, though. Yeah, you're you're right about that because the the non English thing because people can get tripped up with language, but like the sound. That's a, that's such that's so interesting to me. Um, there was a, a, a mantra meditation for lucid dreaming that that someone was telling me about, and they said the mantra was Rome Grom. And to repeat that mentally, internally, you know, over and over again, Rome, 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 Rome. And it's like, it, it's meaningless, right? So you don't have a thought associated with it. So you're really just the sound, the internal sound. You're not actually making a sound, you know, you know what I mean? Um, but you're speaking it internally to yourself. So it's, it's. I want to look into that. It's really fascinating to me how that works, like what that's doing inside your body and why it works. Yeah, I, I trust me, I, re- I read up on it, asked one to annoying questions on the message boards over on the <laughs> website, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the skeptic guy a lot of times in these situations, but I'm like, why, why these words who chose these things? Why, why these specific ones? But at, at one point in time I said, you know what, I'm just going to try it. I don't need to understand why that works or whatever. I just need to give it a chance. And the, the difference in my meditations was so, was so distinct and obvious that I just, I've never gone back. I was like, there's no way. I mean, my meditations have improved dramatically since then. This was last summer when I did that. But, uh, but yeah, I sit for, I mean, I, I, I have a pretty involved, <laughs> I have a pretty involved routine. I mean, yeah. more than to get into than, than this, uh, this podcast, you know, we're looking to cover, but I mean, I, I sit for 20 minutes twice a day now. And, um, I do some, I do some breathing techniques before I do meditation too, as well. So I, but I sit for, uh, for sure, if, if I can, you know, like I, like you said earlier, if, if I can only do five minutes, I do that. But for the most part, I usually can get in, at least in the evening, I can get a walk or sit in for, for, without a doubt, uh, sometimes in the morning and not so much, but, uh, but I do try to sit, what they recommend is doing it twice daily before each, uh, you know, before the morning and evening meal. And uh, just, you know, so your body's not digesting food is, is the big reason. So you're, you know, mm. empty stomach. But uh, but uh, what, what else was I going to mention? Yeah. And, and, 
Yeah, what was the other thing that I, that I had to ask you? Um, what you do, the technique. Oh, yeah, it's the, the, where I sit. Yes. Yeah. Even though I'm going to, I mentioned earlier, you, do, you know, you don't need to sit cross-legged. I do do that um, only because, again, I'm a drill sergeant and I like to, my, my whole thing was if I'm going to sit and do this every day, I learned this from learning the guitar. I'm like, the way you learn it is to start off right off the bat. Just do what you have to do from the beginning. So I'm like, I'm going to start stretching and getting used to sitting this way. And when you mentioned the 20-minute thing, that, that's uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, is that I found, because that's one of the things, too, your first meditations, especially if you try to sit down, especially if you try to sit cross-legged or anything like that, man, your muscles are not designed to do that yet. So you don't even know how to sit up straight until you've done right. it. So that's one of the first things you need to do through, you know, I, may, I always make a joke that your first job in meditation is to get rid of the, all the expectations that you have and all the uh, misconceptions. And then your job is to get your muscles strong enough to be able to sit long enough to actually meditate, you know, to get into that state. But I found like it took me, it took me at least six to eight months of sitting. And I just sit cross legged on the bed with some pillows uh, propping up my lower back. But um, but now I'm in a, in a spot now where my muscles of like I can sit that way, and hit, hit in, uh, into a super super deep still um, you know physically still state mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly, and I can I, I could probably meditate for I mean I could I've done it for an hour without a without a doubt you know yeah now, like I said my back is supported by pillows but I have a pretty good um, you know you, you just have to build up your muscles so you're you're going to be sore after you, you meditate for the first few times and maybe for the first few weeks or months even, but, um, but over time your muscles will strengthen. And that really goes back to that whole, you know, where the asanas come in, where the poses and the exercise aspect of yoga comes mm-hmm. in. So you do need some, some stamina in order to do some of this stuff. It's not like people think this is relaxing and it can be, but it's also, it can be a little bit, you know, you can like focusing on the mind can, can wear you out because there's a lot your mind's, can be super active and it can be tiring to pay attention to it, you know, cause we're so yeah, used to it. Yeah. It really is tiring sometimes paying attention. And that's why it's hard to do it. Cause you're like, I'm just going to sit for in silence. That's easy. Right. But ma- <laughs> yeah, just well, maintaining attention on something is really difficult. It's, it, it takes like, it does take energy and willpower, you know, um, because you, by default, your mind wants to follow all those thoughts and just, you know, go to wherever shiny, bright object or a sound that you hear in the room. You know what I mean? Right. And so it does. That's why it's like sometimes meditation is not the most fun thing to want to sit down and do. It's like to, to, to at least start it, you know, like especially if you're doing it a while and it's become sort of a thing. You like know what it is and you kind of do it. Like for me, it's sometimes it's hard for me to, to sit down and meditate, even though I love doing it when I'm doing it. And it's not like working out where you're like lifting weights and it's strenuous physically. It can be strenuous physically if you're sitting a long time and you're not used to it. But it's just the, the the paying attention for a long period of time. I mean, that can be boring for somebody, especially if they're constantly used to the Internet. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the whole thing is we're so used to having distractions and distracting ourselves and having, you know, something new and novel to grab in our attention and to really sit and, and uh, I mean, that, that's what interests me a lot about it anyways, is that it's like a, it's a challenge, you know, and it's like I like to see, you know, it's almost like, you know, who can stand on their hand, you know, stand on their foot for the longest, won't stand on one leg for the longest period of time. And in some degree, meditation is like that. Like how long can I go before I get antsy? And it's, 
without a doubt, like we, you know, we said earlier, there's, you will see improvements in certain things. Now you may not think of them as super dramatic. Uh, and I didn't either at first until you kind of, kind of one of those things you have to reflect on in, in hindsight, but, um, you will be able to look back and go, Oh yeah, I didn't like fly off the handle when I was in traffic and that guy cut me off. And I didn't, uh, I was in line at the grocery store and I was totally paying attention to where I was as opposed to being off and getting on my phone and, and looking for something to distract me. I was actually really trying to soak in the environment and really listen to everything and look at everything and really be where I was at. And it's interesting yeah. over time, how these things like, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like the, you know, the anxiety of moving somewhere or like I recently, you know, got a new car and it was like really weird because I had a car for 13 years. I had this old you know, my, my Jeep and I was switching over to a new car. It was really weird and disconcerting and it was a lot of strange things going on. But now on the new car, I'm like used to it. And it's like meditation is the same way where you're going to, it might be weird at first to do a lot of this stuff, but just by doing it every single day, you get used to it. And eventually this becomes your, you know, it becomes familiar he said it's familiar you look you may not look forward to actually doing it but once you're doing it you know like i find myself <laughs> this is kind of a weird analogy but you know like you know, when, you, when you say you have cats cats do you have a dog no dog well you, you i'm sure you, you either had one or know people who yeah. have one you go well, your cats probably do the same thing you come home and they're ready to get fed or go out or whatever you know and they're, mm-hmm. they're they know when you're coming home and when it's time to do certain things. And I find that my body is almost like a pet for me now where like when it gets close to meditation time, the my body will start getting into a relaxation mode. I can feel it happening. I mean, it's not even like I don't have to do it. I can feel my body starting to want to wow. get that, that relaxation feeling. And I can, you know, that energy sensation I was mentioning earlier, that'll start kicking in and I can really kind of feel like, you know, the whole thing caught me in. I can do it, but just by thinking about it, just by talking about it now, it's, it's starting to want to do it a little bit. So it's, it's one of those things that you train yourself over time. And then all of a sudden it's like, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do this stuff on purpose. You're, you've, you've conditioned yourself to, to, you know, you know, it's, it's like, uh, well, I mean, it's like, you know, you, you're a drummer, you know, you don't think about what you're doing with all your limbs. If you did, you couldn't do it. You know, you, you have to do it by not thinking about it and having yeah. practices so much. And, and yeah, I think that's a huge benefit for people is not, not only is, is the mind, is it, can you have a more familiar experience with your mind and not let it run away, but also your body, you, you know what it feels like to be relaxed. And it's like, instead of just going, oh, this feels relaxing. It's like, no, I really know what that feels like. And I can actually trigger that because I can, I'm, I'm now, you know, I've got, I've got the habit of going into that state on a regular basis. So it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of little things like that, that seem you know, they, they may not be these super cosmic uh, experiences, but you know, you um, you grow to like I, I was. I, someone had brought this up to, to me, and, and when I was having some doubts about meditation, and I'm sure you have the same feeling. Where uh, I asked this guy, I was like, "Well, I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what I'm getting out of this." And this wasn't even that long ago, but uh, he, he was like, "You know, just don't do it." And I'm like, "No, nah, that's not going to happen." And he's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "I, I like doing it." You know, it's always like. <laughs> it's to think like nothing's happening until someone says, well, don't do it for a month. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not, that's not going to happen. I, I don't like when I have to skip it, you know, if I have to skip one, like I don't let it happen when I skip a day, but if I have to skip like the morning or cut the morning short, that bums me out. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, I do have situations where I think, is this really working? Is really, is anything really happening here? But then I realize like, 
there's I wouldn't want to give this up now. You know. Yeah, you brought up a couple things that that I want to talk about. So the first thing is benefits. I mean, so we we talked a lot about what we've experienced, but like the most common benefits is is a state of being that is more content and peaceful and happy. I mean, it's it's really one of the best things you can do for your well-being. Not only do you become aware of your thoughts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's a useful tool like it, that helps you identify your triggers and you can work into that stuff and, and change some of the emotional patterns and repetitive thought processes. You could do all that. But by by bringing your awareness to your breath, you're, you're centering your, yourself. You're um, bringing yourself to the present moment. You're no longer thinking for the future or worrying about the past. And, and so much of our suffering comes from not being in the present moment. And if you study Buddhist teachings and a lot of uh, meditation practice, it's about becoming present. And so much of our well-being comes from living in that state of presence. And have you ever, if you've ever like talked to somebody who's in a state of presence, you, you, you feel like so much of a connection with them. You can definitely talk to someone who's got who's not present and they're looking on their phone they're like distracted you can tell their mind is somewhere else they're thinking about something that's like you know no one likes to experience that but like when you're with somebody who's truly present then it feels so much more comforting and so like you can be with yourself at that present moment i mean there's a whole book about it the power of now it's an amazing book by eckhart tolle um and then so many other books are about living in the present moment okay but there's a whole thing about that that time doesn't actually exist the present is all there ever, all there ever is, you know, like you can, you can't actually, there is no such thing as time. It's only a construct. That's a, a theoretical thing that has been kind of proven or whatever, but that's another topic. But the power of presence is like where what meditation will teach you to be present almost all the time. So you don't even have to do a meditation sitting process. So George, I know you do twice a day. I was talking to this one guy who who uh, says, yeah, I don't meditate anymore. I said, really? Like, why? He's like, I don't need to meditate. He's like, everything you do is a meditation. Like, whether you're washing the dishes, whether you're typing on a computer, you're typing, you know, you're speaking with somebody, you can shift yourself to the present moment and observe and watch and feel in presence, full presence. And then you, that that's a meditation in and of itself. So the sitting thing, I think, is a good practice routine to get into. But eventually, like, you, you can let go of the need to have any sort of routine at all. And, and that's another state of presence, another state of letting go. And, you know, George, I know that you're really attached to the, like, if someone says, give up meditation, you're like, no, 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 I don't want to give it up. I mean, I sympathize with that too, because I mean, if someone told me to give up my practice, I wouldn't want to do it. But then sometimes it's like, why am I so attached to it anyway? Like, what am I afraid of losing if I don't have my meditation practice? Like everything, it can be a meditation. Like me doing this podcast can be in a state of meditation while I do it. So. That's, that'd be a great state to be in, of course. You know, you're not always in there, but as soon as you bring your awareness to the center, to the present moment and you can keep it there and, and hold it, I mean, it's, sometimes it's tough to multitask if you're trying to do something like speak in front of a crowd, for example, and you all of a sudden became conscious of your present moment and you might like slip up on your words and and uh, stumble, you know, like you become self-conscious all of a sudden. But yeah. So how, you hear me say that, George. So how do you react to that when you've got such a regimented practice? Well, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you to some degree. I mean, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm super attached to it like that, but I mean, I, I definitely, you know, it's like, I really, you I try to remind myself that like, just like you said, like the, the point of this is really a practice more than, 
you know, like like one of the things in that in that AYP system that they like to point out is that the meditation, like your meditation sits, like you are not looking to have experiences during the sits. You're looking to have the experiences during the rest of your your daily life. And that's really what they focus on. They're like, your point isn't to have some kind of crazy experiences while you're sitting down meditating. And that points to kind of, you know, that whole idea of getting attached to the, to the, to the meditation practices. The point of this all is to, is what your, your friend said is to put it aside and to be able to just say, no, I don't need that anymore. And I really, you know, this, you know, for me, I definitely, <laughs> let's, let's put it this way. I benefit from it dramatically. So <laughs> yeah, not ready to put it aside. If it and, serves you, keep doing it. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I'll tell you, I, I do get, and you know, this is something that's, you know, you and I have both encountered and discussed before as far as like the self-development path is, you know, you can turn into a perfectionist about getting better. You know what I mean? And sometimes I think I might overdo it where I'm like, you know, I like, and I, I, when I first started out meditation, I was so, you know, particular about like, I'm not missing a day and I would turn down things to do, you know, if I was invited somewhere, I'm like, no, if I got to meditate. And then I realized like, that's ridiculous. You, you know, and I know, and they don't recommend you do that either. They say you should definitely not let it interfere with your life that way. But I was like, I don't care. I want this to happen. I want to, you know, experience these things and I want to, you know, accelerate the progress and whatever. So I was definitely a little bit, a little bit more insane about it. When I first started out, but um, and I'm way more laid back about it now, but um, yeah, but I think you can, that can, it can be, un- you can get an unhealthy level of attachment to, you know, like you said, to, to that sit that you don't, and you don't really need. And that's the thing too, is like you said earlier, you can, other things can be meditations. And that's one of the things that you, you know, you want, that's why I wanted to bring up on this podcast, what you do versus what I do, because there's also 7,500 other techniques that you could probably find besides the two that oh, we've, yeah. or the five that we've mentioned. And it's, there's not like this one system to do. And it's really, you know, because I, I do, you know, the, the mindfulness thing, especially that uh, that Raptitude blog that I've been reading a lot, he, he focuses on that a lot, too. And um, but I've been trying to put that into practice with like, you know, washing the dishes and doing other things. We talked about this last podcast, too. But, you know, I, I look at those kind of activities where I'm trying to, you know, integrate the experience more into the daily life with the activities of the daily life, as opposed to this thing that's separated from it. And it's I think, you know, the, who knows what's going to happen in the future, you know, but I would I would like to be at the point where the meditations are almost like a training wheel for how to, you know, move on to, you know, another one of my bicycling a- analogies. But, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. it fits, though. It's like that's what I, how I look at these things. And for me right now, I need the training wheels, but I don't want to become too um, – like you said, I don't want to become too attached to him. I think that could that could be done on to an unhealthy degree too. Yeah, and I want to talk just a smidge about some of the more, um, I guess, higher states that you can achieve in meditation. I, I hesitate to use the word achieve because that's it's it's it falls into the same sort of goal setting, accomplishment, achievement thing that some people will will get into with meditation. They'll try to achieve something and get to some place, but the whole point is to drop that attachment most of the time or recognize that you have that because that what that does is it just sets up expectations that cause you know that cause suffering and we all know that that's sort of part of the part of the reason why we suffer so but i think 
having some sort of goals or aspirations is kind of a healthy thing as long as you're not too attached to them out- outcomes. Like you, you know, you when you when you started your meditation habit, George, you wanted to go all into it, right? And you wouldn't have done that had you not had some sort of expectation in the back of your mind about where you could get with it. And I think a lot of people who start meditating feel like, well, where is the end point? Like, I want to get to the enlightenment, you know, <laughs> like it when, was the boss level. Yeah. Where's the end? Like, can I, what's the fastest way to get enlightened? Because, you know, when Sean Webb had talked to me or t- not talked to me personally, but when he talked about his enlightenment experience, this is really fascinating. So when he talked about his enlightenment experience, that was the first time I've heard, he was the first person I heard talk about this word enlightenment and, and he was able to achieve it through a meditation and when he described it, he basically had a lot of physical sensations of leaving his body and then going up and experiencing this feeling that people call God. And he was able to get all the answers to every question in the universe. And it was the state of bliss and joy and peace and love. And he knew everything. He was able to see situations that are going on in the world and understand why it's all happening. I mean, it was a mystical experience, transformed his life. And when I heard that, it brought tears to my eyes because something deep down about it resonated with me very deeply. And I wanted to have an enlightenment experience like so badly. And and some people um, will take hallucinogenic drugs or psychedelics and they'll achieve a state like that. But I'm a drug free person. So being able to achieve something like that in a meditation was like totally up my alley. I was I was striving for it and i was i remember my first time like experiencing something like that it was like i started to feel like this twitchiness in my face and my heart started pounding like really rapidly i started to get my breathing i had to like consciously breathe because it was almost like i was becoming short of breath and i didn't know what was happening and i'm like is this the enlightenment experience about to happen like and i I was like trying harder to achieve it and then of course like it didn't happen it kind of went away and i felt sort of like oh man I wonder what that was. Wonder what that was. Um, but the, this is where it kind of gets really interesting to me because this meditation, I kind of stopped putting that. I stopped trying. I mean, that's part of the problem is trying. You have to let go in order to actually experience some of this stuff. So if you try, you just block yourself from doing it. It's, it's backwards. But, but then the meditation, the mindfulness practice helped me out a lot in my night terrors, my nightmares that I would have in the middle of the night. So I've talked about this on my blog where I would wake up in the middle of the night with a tremendous state of terror and fear. And I would feel like there's evil in the room, like literally like some being is in the room and it would be totally irrational. Right. Um, And then I would be trying my hardest to wake myself up, but I'd be paralyzed. And then I couldn't scream or do anything like that. And eventually, like my wife would shake me awake and I would be like, oh, thank you. You know, you saved my life. Like, well, good thing that was that's over. Like it was another one of those episodes. You know, I had those all growing up and then maybe once every couple of months I would have those. Um, But then the meditation helped me be mindful. And I told myself next time I experience one of those, I'm going to just try to observe instead of trying to wake myself up. And, you know, I couldn't predict when I would have one. But then when I did it, the remembrance of to be to be observant and mindful, um, triggered me to just to not resist anymore. So I just looked at it as I was meditating, basically. And the fear went away immediately, and I floated up out of my body. That was the most incredible experience ever. I was so excited. I was standing in my room outside of my body, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm having an out-of-body experience. And so I ran down the hallway to try to tell my wife, and I ended up going through her like a ghost. It was really weird. And then that excited me so much that I snapped back 
into my body my eyes opened and i had full memory of this whole experience and i said that was incredible like i just hurry up and wrote it down and that's a another topic that's i've been able to um, take that experience and recreate it i started learning all about it it really opened my eyes up to and i started reading books about out-of-body experiences and and like you mentioned robert monroe's book earlier in this podcast about journeys out of the body where he had a, a spontaneous out-of-body experience not through meditation or anything like that but he was able to um you know he was first really scared about it but then once he was able to have it again and again and then figure out how to do them on purpose or put himself in a position to have one on purpose. So I learned from him. I learned from a lot of the techniques he used and started teaching myself how to have out-of-body experiences at will. Um, and it's a little bit more difficult than having it at will. You can't just say hocus-pocus and poof, you're out of your body. But the meditation is like a super awesome training wheels to have out-of-body experiences. And that's, that, that's where you open up the door to mystical experiences that people will have that you can experience your true spiritual essence. You can experience life outside physical reality. You can experience different states of consciousness. It gets really, really deep. So that's another episode. But I mean, I think that's where you can see where it can go. And I had I never started meditating, that never would have happened. So yeah, George, what do you think about that? What? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of body experiences on this end, but uh, but you know that's one thing I you know that has to be brought up is that there are a lot of claims um, for for these you know supernormal states of experience or consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's you know that that's I, I won't lie that's something that interests me. You know that's one of the, those things like you know the big question like what's going on. You know that's one of the things I think you know what meditation is. Uh, what will help you like again i should come back to what drew me to meditation was the promise of direct experience so when you mention these things you know i i've never experienced them but when people say uh if you do these things this is you know this will help you experience these for yourself and you don't have to believe i like that that's that's where i come come in from you know i'm not i'm an open-minded person but i'm also uh, a little bit more down to earth about things where I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to say that I don't believe somebody if they tell me they had an experience. Cause like, you know, going back to, you know, at the beginning, you had mentioned lucid dreaming and that was something that interested me when I was younger as well. And another one of those things where I'm like, I'm never going to have patience to sit and practice it. But you know, when I was, was probably about, I forget when this was probably about 10 years now, but I made a point at this this point in time in my life where I'm like, I want to see if this is for real. You know, I read a lot of books and said that, you know, you can do this. And then you read a lot of books. This is before the internet, but the, you know, they said that there's a lot of books that said, oh, this is a bunch of, you know, BS. And these guys are just having these subjective experiences and labeling them differently, blah, blah, blah. And one night I finally had a lucid dream. And once I had that, it was one of those experiences. I mean, since you've had them, you understand. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not that uncommon either. So I'm sure a lot of people listening have had them, but once you have that experience, you can't like, like someone can't argue you out of it anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for through. That's what interests me with the meditation. Like the lucid dream literature always said, if you do these things, these are the, this is your best chance of having this happen and you can have it happen for yourself. You don't have to believe anybody. And, I, and that's what I liked. And then, you know, coming mm-hmm. to, especially coming to the, that AYP system is like I said, there, there, there's some 
there's some big claims in there. Some of these things, you know, enlightenment and, and transcending the ego or transcending the, the sense of self, you know, the individual sense of self and having this kind of this cosmic consciousness kind of an experience. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, when I, when you read these things, you're, you're like, uh, but then on top of the, they say, you don't have to believe anything. You just have to do these things and then you come out for yourself. And that, that's what really, you know, appealed to me. Now, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, the drug aspect, you know, you said you're drug free. You know, I, I have taken psychedelic drugs before we talked about this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm actually curious because the, uh, Sean Webb mentions on this uh, podcast, you know, he said, I'm going to take some, you know, some LSD to see if, how it compares to his enlightenment experience. And I hope that he does it because I'm really curious what he has to say because they've, you know, they've done studies in the past where they've given you know heavy duty meditators uh, LSD and asked them to compare the states of mind and it's, it should be it's an, it's an interesting question to say you know is this a biochemical reaction I mean to, to some degree it has to be I mean even enlightenment is biochemical because we have a body that's experiencing this through you mm-hmm. know neurotransmitters so sure have you heard yeah. have you heard the Ram Das story uh, I don't really know the he, story. He's a, he he experienced his first spiritual experiences through LSD in the 60s or 70s and was so, you know, like mind blown. You know, he ended up going to India to follow to look for a guru, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And he gave the guru like some LSD and the guru was like wanted more. So basically he gave him his entire stash <laughs> of LSD and like it, it would have been like. 10, 15 times the normal dose that he would have taken a normal person. And then the guru didn't even react. <laughs> he was just like, that, that that's nice. Thank you. Like he did He's, not have a mystical experience. So it's like, he was his, his like thought was like, well, gee, he must already be at a level that LSD has no effect on him. You know what I mean? Well, I mean that, but that's also uh, assuming that, you know, that the, mystical quote unquote mystical experience from meditation is the same thing as you have in, as in a psychedelic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, but I mean, there's enough people that seem to think that it's very similar. I mean, there, there was a interesting podcast I listened to, uh, I'll have to dig it up and send it to you for the show notes. But, um, this, uh, these, these were scientists too. They weren't, uh, they were, they were, they were talking about meditation, but they were talking also about brain, uh, brain science and, uh, psychology. And one of the things that they, this uh, the guest that was on the show was talking about was that um, he believed that LSD or psychedelic drugs and meditation helped you reach a very similar place by triggering certain um, ways of using the, the mind. And it was a, a, a level of the mind where you're not labeling things or categorizing them. So the idea is like when you look at a flower, like it's like what, how a kid would look at things where you're looking at something and really using your senses as opposed to saying, oh, that's a flower. I already know what that is. I already have a we already have that in a you know filing cabinet in my brain of it's a plant and it's red and it's this you know we've already we don't mm-hmm. we don't look anymore we we're, we you know that's our our minds are designed not to look because it's you know once we know what something is it's not a threat or it's not food we we move on so the idea is that you're reaching these states where you're actually perceiving things without that judgment without that uh, that categorization so it was, it was, it was like yeah. I said I'll find a link but it was an interesting discussion about the two things but uh, I'll have to look up Ram Das. I like I said I don't know uh, I've heard his name before I just didn't know his whole story his old deal yeah he, he's he's an awesome person he's got a lot of talks and you know he's kind of like Alan Watts you know he's got a lot of stuff on YouTube 
Good guy. There's uh, several documentaries. One of them was called, uh, it's on Netflix, or it was, it's called Fierce Grace, where he had a stroke. And he was, it was kind of his way of dealing with having a stroke. And, you know, his, you know, he, he thought he was like enlightened. And then here's his stroke and he didn't know how to handle it. And it, it was pretty interesting. It was like, you know, life has a way of being, of, of bringing you to what you need to learn in such sometimes a very fierce way, like having a stroke or something like that. Or like, or like if you want to have an out of body experience, or maybe some people doesn't, doesn't want to have one. And then they get in a car accident and they're forced into an out of body experience and a near death experience. But I think you would actually like the whole out of body experience stuff too, because it, it, it puts a, it, it can help you experience directly what a lot of these religions that try to teach that you need to read these books and follow these masters and do all of these things to get into heaven. You can start to have direct experience with what all that stuff is and figure it all out for yourself. Like it's a direct path to spiritual experience if you choose to do it that way. So well, it's, all, it's all based on direct experience and self-exploration. I, I, and I, and that's one of the things I liked about that Robert Monroe book, which, cause it really surprised me how much of a scientist he was. I was like, Oh, this guy's not like, I was expecting to be some crazy new ager, you know, you know, right. Crazy. You know, well, I don't know I'm saying crazy, but you know, do these meditations and you'll have uh, these experiences. He was very regimented of, you know, he, he approached it the way I would. And he was, like I said, he was the guy mm-hmm. who was like, you know, watch out for poetic descriptions of stuff. And I'm just going to, describe my what i experienced like without trying to interpret it and i was really i really like that about his his books now that said i tried to give some of his his techniques a try but i i just they didn't seem to do anything for me i don't know yeah if i have the uh at this point in time if i have the the, the dedication i mean i'm already i already got a lot of stuff on my plate these days and it's like that's another thing that seemed like it to, you know he's like oh just lay on your couch for two hours and do this like wait for the vibration <laughs> to kick in i'm like dude how don't you have a, like this guy did a lot of stuff and i'm like how did he have time to like lay on his couch at two in the afternoon and do this stuff day after day i was it was I'm surprised where people find the time sometime but I, I do like the fact that he said you know do this and you will have the experience and i would i would trust me i would love to do it I just, it seemed like, I don't know, it seemed very, very out of my reach, at least. I mean, it sounds that's like you what's really, That's what's really tough, man, because I think if you're not really drawn to it, you're not really interested. Um, I mean, I know you're interested, but I mean, if you don't feel like a huge calling to like want to do it, like you did with meditation, you know, it's like you made time for it. And that's the same thing with like dreams. You know, if you don't really care about dreams, then you're not going to really remember them. But as soon as you start caring, you start to remember them and then you can really get into it. And I think I went through a period where I was really obsessed with having an out-of-body experience. And so I read everything I could read about it. I read about lucid dreaming and trying to figure out the difference between them and astral projection. What's what's the difference between all those things and really start to understand it. But I kept I couldn't help but read these people's expert firsthand experiences and feel like I wanted that so bad. Like I knew something about it was was for me, I guess. And I, yeah, trying all these techniques was really difficult at first because I had already had one spontaneously. So I kind of knew already what it what it was like. And that's what Robert did. He had one without trying. And and that's that's what's the crazy thing about the whole thing. People don't even have to try and they'll have one. And that's like and you can sit there and try really hard to have one and practice all these techniques that people teach. But you might never have one. And that's why it's like almost unfair. It's like you, you see people talk about it and you're like, like I just heard a guy saying that he's only ever had lucid dreams. He's never known that well, dreams was, aren't lucid. 
I know a guy like that. I was talking to him on Twitter years ago. He was like, oh, I, I, he's like, I don't like having, he's like, I hate it. I can't sleep. I don't get rest. You know? And I was like, come on, dude, that's not cool. Yeah, I know. So it's like, it, and then the same thing happens when, when, we, when uh, I hear this, this guy talk about having all these like alien abduction type experiences. I'm like, I never see those. I want to see them. And he's like, be careful what you wish for, because it's not pleasant. I don't want it. You know? So like a lot of these people don't want these experiences and they have them. Um, it's, it's, it's just funny. I, I, I'm just, I find it interesting how like, even if you want it so badly, it may not be in the cards for you, you know, like type of thing. You might not be, it might not be part of your, you know, and I feel like unless you feel a calling to it, you know, you might find a real interest to it, but I think there are some techniques you can try. I mean, William Buhlman, he's another guy who teaches at the Monroe Institute, which Robert Monroe started this whole Institute on out of body exploration and consciousness and stuff. So, and same thing with uh, Thomas Campbell. Have you heard of uh, Thomas Campbell? He wrote the book, My Big Toe, My Big Theory of Everything. Mm -mm. He's someone you might like because he was a physicist or something like that. And and he got into transcendental meditation and he was a super skeptic. The first book is really interesting because he talks about how he got into meditation and these altered states of consciousness. And then he was trying to put it all together with his scientific mind. And he's like, well, how does what's the who am i what's the meaning of life and he had his whole he brought a trilogy of books i mean it, it was it got kind of boring for me because he's really long-winded <laughs> um but you may dig you may dig it look up my big toe um or look look up maybe some videos of him on youtube or something because what's his name thomas campbell he was one of the founding members of the monroe institute and helped kind of develop the systems and develop the technology, the audio technology that Robert Monroe uses, the binaural beats, which he calls hemisync. Um, so have you, have you ever tried using binaural beats in your meditation? I downloaded a couple of apps and tried it out. It didn't really seem to do anything that I, you know, I, yeah. that's, that's some of the stuff that's what's tricky too is like, you know, that was one of my, my big uh, questions when I first started out was, I would, you know, because for me, like I have not had any any traumatic experiences. I'm like, who are these dudes thousands of years ago sitting around trying this stuff out to figure out what works? Because it's not like I'm doing things and like two days later I'm like, oh yeah, that worked or that didn't. I mean, this is I'm talking about weeks and months of, of taking someone else's word that this stuff's going to work. So, I'm, you know, like the binaural beats thing. I think maybe it's. I think a lot of these things may come down to. Like you said earlier, if you're sensitive to it or they they align with whatever's going on with you then they might happen quickly, you know, but I, a lot of this stuff, like the binaural beats app I've tried, I, yeah. I, I had, had no discernible experience from it. I mean, I, it seemed relaxing to some degree, but that could have been total placebo effects. So I'm not sure. Yeah. That's what's tough because, you know, Robert Monroe's got, he's got a whole like technology that he sells and he calls it Hemisync and it's trademarked and he sells audio CDs. And apparently they've got some technique for making binaural beats that someone else doesn't have. You know, it's like, I feel like it's kind of a racket at some point, you know, like it's just selling selling tricks and techniques that someone can get to reach altered states. When I mean, in the end, it's it can happen for someone who doesn't even use any of that stuff. And like you said, thousands of years ago, they didn't have this technology. They didn't have the Internet with books and blog articles and teachers everywhere teaching how to do stuff. I that's that's kind of why one of the reasons why I think they were able to experience a lot of these stuff, because they were not so digitally connected. They didn't have such broad reach of, of culture where they can be influenced by so many different things i mean we have so much influence coming into us our consciousness all the time we're so distracted our minds 
we are we live through the scientific paradigm where our minds basically control everything. Logic and rational thinking and materialism are kind of the day. But back then, it was a lot more like a right-brained existence where you didn't know a lot of this stuff. You didn't know why you had these experiences, but you had them. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point that you know, we we were living in a different consciousness completely back then. I mean, I, you know, I was yeah. thinking about this, you know, reading read I was reading some books about, you know, that inner critic, that inner judge, that inner voice that you have that's criticizing. And I'm like, what did people do before language? Like, did people how did you talk to yourself before yet there was even language even existed? I mean, what how did people experience the world? You know, that's an interesting uh yeah. You know, you talk to yourself with language in your head. So what did you do before you had that? I mean, that's must have been a very blissful state of existence, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, speaking of the and that's another good good point, speaking of the double wallet technology and the meditation stuff, is I made a point of like I used to have the apps and the timers and all that stuff. I got rid of all that crap. I I try to go a little bit more um you know, I guess like paleo meditation, if you want to call it that, but nice. you know what I mean? Like no tools, you know, I, I try to figure like I'm getting better and better at being able to figure out what 20 minutes, like I know what 15 minutes, I, I can tell when I, when I get AMC it's 15 minutes. And I can tell almost without, without a doubt now I can tell when 15 minutes is up. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, the timers definitely help. And I definitely look at the phone to see what, where I'm at with time. But, you know, the, I think the less you can rely on, um, you know, external tools and stuff the easier it is for you to like you said earlier meditate wherever you're at whether you're washing the dishes or mm-hmm. you know at the store so it's like if you don't need to have these all these extra things we're you know we're already attached enough to these devices i, I would suggest like not even like if you can start off not using them don't just don't you don't need them they're, they're, they're yeah you're absolutely right because we are living in a culture that is becoming increasingly dependent on technology. And if you kind of, I mean, project into the future where this is going, I mean, it, it's it's getting to the point where like you've got companies like Facebook, Google, and they, they want you to become totally dependent on them to kind of exist in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they're talking about like always on Wi-Fi, you know, always being connected and, you know, track all your exercise and all this kind of stuff and, you know, log into this every single day and get you to keep coming back. I mean, that's, I think that could be a really interesting future podcast episode is technology. Um, but yeah, back in the day, technology was not the thing. And back in the day, you had a lot of people having mystical experiences that were pretty normal. Paranormal stuff was more normal. There were witches, you know, and, you know, psychic abilities were, you know, a normal thing for a lot of people. And it was kind of just, you know, they didn't talk about it. They didn't think about it, but that's kind of been trained out of us in a lot of ways as we kind of grow into Western materialist society and we become ever increasingly reliant on technology to do a lot of the things that our bodies are actually capable of doing in the first place. So, I mean, especially all of this kind of uh, communication and I mean, you don't need apps to meditate. Sure. I think they help, but if you're a technology lover and they help you meditate, do it. But the, the the more you can get yourself weaned off of the, the addiction to technology, you're going to end up activating more of your natural intuitive thinking processes that are going to help bring you into a more more states, more wholeness, more th- with your whole being, more right brain, more creative thinking, the less you can rely on using technology to aid you in all of these things. So I agree with you. Well, I mean, in the technology stuff, like we talked earlier, is it's almost like an external version of all of the chattering mind. It's, it's, it's distractions. And if you're trying to meditate and, you know, 
extend that into your into your day to day life. Constantly check, you know, because think about it, constantly checking your phone, you know, checking your email, whatever you're doing mm-hmm. with your phone all day is really no different than the, all, that incessant, repetitive chatter in the mind that you're constantly addicted to, to, to talking to yourself. And it's, it's the same, like the meditation uh, practices to me is designed to help you take control over that stuff. And if you're not putting that into practice, if you're, if you don't like using this with kind of got me off of using the phone and timers and apps for all that stuff. Cause I'm like, it's, it was kind of incongruous to, to, you know, use the apps to get away from that mindset of using, of being addicted to these apps and stuff like that. So, you know, these distractions. So it's just, you, you don't, you definitely don't need them. That's like, we both agree with that is you don't need them. So yes, it, like the Headspace app I do recommend because it's like a book, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little interactive walkthrough, but you only need to use that thing for about five days you will get everything you need to know out of it and then delete it from your phone and move on and just start meditating and do it on your own. You know? Yeah. Beautifully said, George. And I think that about wraps things up. So, but before we end the show, I'd like to provide some resources and some kind of, you know, just what are your favorite resources for meditation, George? Do you have a list or you want me to go first? Um, yeah. Why don't you go ahead? All right. So like, I, we we talk about Headspace. That's that's one I really recommend for beginners. And there's Calm.com, which is another good one for beginners. If you just want to take some time out, there's um, Stop Think and Breathe, which is an app. We're talking about we're talking about uh, using apps now. We just got done saying you shouldn't be using these apps, but for for beginners, it's really kind of good to get in the habit. You know, build the habit or whatever. But Stop Think and Breathe is good because it lets you input your emotions and then it kind of gives you a like your 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 top 10 emotions you know gratitude like anxiety so like you can get a picture if you do it for a while you can kind of start to get a picture of who you are and i think it's pretty cool and um so you would log into it you'd pick your different emotions and then it would give you a guided meditation based on how you're feeling and then another one i used was zen friend which was like sort more of like a social meditation app you got to like you log into it and it's like, oh, there are like 3,000 other people meditating at this very moment, you know, like join the fun. So, I mean, that was kind of cool as it had a timer on it. And there's definitely a bunch of different timers, meditation timers you can download from the app store. Um, but for books, I definitely recommend Mindfulness in Plain English. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a really awesome one. One of the very first ones I read. And I, and I lent that to my mother-in-law recently because she just finished reading. I, I lent her The Power of Now, and she's like, I don't understand. You know, I, I really like all this stuff, but I don't understand it. And I'm like, all right, here. You need to, You actually need to start meditating because you can't just continue to read and then figure out like, and then figure everything out through reading. Like, just meditate, and then don't worry about figuring anything out. You'll start to understand. <laughs> you'll start to know what being in the present moment feels like. So for someone who doesn't know how to meditate or or doesn't have time for it. Read mindfulness in plain English. And again, I recommend the power of now. And if you want to go further, there's a guy by the name of Adi Ashanti. Um, he's got a ton of books on it. One of them is called the way of liberation. I recommend that. And another one called true meditation. And um, the end of your world is another one for advanced meditators who feel like they've kind of hit a crossroads or like a hit a wall with meditation. And then, you know, they, they need something else to kind of give them some perspective. So Adya Shanti is another good one I recommend. So that's pretty much my resources. Oh, yeah. Sean Webb's I Am Spirituality podcast. That'll help give your left brain some perspective on what the ego is, what meditation will do, how your emotions work, 
it's good. It, it kind of helps things fall into place. George, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Like the, I had the same reservations about Sean Webb's podcast, the I Am Spirituality, just because of the, <laughs> the word spirituality in the title. Oh my gosh, I, I know. I listened to it on your recommendation, and I really like that guy's podcast a lot. Like, and he definitely leans towards using the word God and spirituality and stuff. Like, it might turn some people off, but I, I, I agree with you. Give him a chance. Uh, you have to listen. Like, I think it's episode twenty is when he talks about his enlightenment experience. You don't have to believe anything he says, but you should. It's nice to have some guy who's down to earth talking about these experiences that you can, um, you know, take what you want out of it. But his, I agree, his his descriptions for the mental states and especially for the emotional states and how low and how fear arises and, and in the mm-hmm. mind. That was some really interesting stuff that I'm still digesting. I actually went back and listened to those last week because I really wanted to try to understand those a little bit better. But he says he's got a book coming out that's going to blow the doors off of everything that's been written about spirituality. Which I mean, okay, that's a huge claim. That guy has got lots of hyperbole, but I, you know, his credit, he has a lot of interesting insights on top of it. So I, it's, I, I'm not going to call him out on it. But uh, I also agree that. Um, uh, mindfulness in plain English was a really good book. Um, that was one of the first ones I read too. Uh, it can be a little repetitive from what I recall, but it was a great, if you don't know anything at all uh, about this stuff, that's a good, like it's, it's non-denominational. It's a hundred percent about what you're, I, I should probably reread that too. Yeah, me too. So, uh, I, I really enjoyed that book. Um, I'm going to, you know, uh, just reiterate the, the website that I, for the lessons that I follow, which is uh, AYPsite.org, and that's uh, Advanced Yoga Practices. And the advanced just means more, um, the idea that it's, it should be called Refined Yoga Practices is because that's what his intention is, is that he's kind of distilled these things down to a very simple uh, set of techniques mm-hmm. that are advanced, but they're not difficult. So they don't think of it like you can be a beginner and go to advanced yoga practices, but uh, so bad name, good website. So it's a little confusing, but if you go on the sidebar on the left-hand side, there's a kind of start here lessons that he has in there. They're not organized. Great. Now the books are superb. Um, they're, they're not free, but they're not expensive either. And you can get digital versions and, and the audio book versions are really good too. I got those, mm-hmm. but uh, the books are a little bit more organized than the, the website, but the website is totally free. And that's the website that kind of just opens the whole thing up to, if you really want to dig into the stuff and understand what's going on, you don't need any of a lot of the advanced stuff for, for just for meditation, but he gets into like yoga and, uh, different uh, breathing techniques and stuff that can enhance all this stuff. Um, now the other books that I would recommend, if you're a little bit more of the uh, nerdy side, like I am, there's a book that I stumbled across. It's also free. It's called uh, mastering the core teachings of the Buddha. Uh, again, it's, this has nothing to do with Buddhism or religion. It's just uh, literally the, t- the teachings of the Buddha that he focuses on. But this guy is hilarious. I think his name is uh, Daniel Ingram, but uh, he, he's a really, uh, I mean, irreverence is is a tame word to say, but he's yeah, he definitely is not like a very what you would consider a traditionally spiritual type person. But he claims to have reached enlightenment, and he kind of breaks down uh, the whole experience and stuff from the beginning to the end. I, it, that book didn't help me as much as far as actual technique of meditation, but it helped me kind of get fired up about like what's capable, what the possibilities are. So yeah. 
You know, if, you, if you're that kind of a person like I am, where you want to read ahead a little, you know, you know, look at the peak, sneak a peek in the back last chapter of the book. He kind of does that stuff. But, What's that uh, called again? Uh, Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha. And the, okay. the author is Daniel Ingram. Now, he, it's, you can get it for free, too. It's a paid book if it's physical, but he has a digital version and has PDF and uh, EPUB and all that stuff on his website. And I, I don't know what that is off the top of my head, but if you Google Mastering Core Teachings of the Buddha, it'll pop right up. Um, and he offers that free version on his website as well. So... I'm going to actually, that's on my list to reread here in the next month. So, and then the last book that I would recommend, which is a book I read years ago, but I reread a couple of years ago, was uh, How to Meditate by um, Lawrence Lashan or Lashan. And it's another good, super simple, super small book that would be a great introduction to meditation. He had another super uh, awesome analogy on there where he said, uh, meditation is like walking a puppy and you want the puppy, the puppy is your mind and you want the puppy to stay on the sidewalk and it wants to go and sniff the tree and walk off the tree lawn and the people's yards <laughs> and wander and you don't yank the dog back on. You just gently nudge it back onto the path. And he's like, that's how meditation is. It's like you're not doing anything, you know, violent or struggling. You're, it's just like you prefer it to be here and you just kind of nudge it in that direction. And I always thought that was a great, uh, that and the, and the cloud analogy from Headspace were two that really helped me kind of understand what was going on here better. So, uh, awesome. I don't know if I have anything else here. I think like most of my suggestions would be those websites and, uh, or that website and then, uh, those books. And, and like you said, the really, the, the ultimate thing to, that I would suggest is just to start meditating right now. Like you don't need to do anything fancy or you don't need to actually, you don't need to read any of these books. Jeff and I already explained to you how to meditate, sit down, um, in a quiet place and, and, you know, upright so you don't fall asleep or pass out. And then just pay attention to, to the breath coming out of your nostrils and just do that for count to four and start over. And, you know, once, you don't, once you're comfortable with that, you don't have to count anymore. Just pay attention to your breath and, you know, you can learn from there. But the trick is to start doing this stuff and then start doing and, and do it uh, consistently. Try to do it every day. So, Try to get a, a one or two minute meditation in every single day and just start with something really easy. Your goal to start with is not to have experiences, but just to establish the practice and to just get your mind and your body used to doing it every day. So that's as quicker you start, mm-hmm. the better, you know, and you'll be, you'll be glad you did I mean, within months, within weeks, maybe. So, yeah, I mean, I felt like, well, I felt like it was it only took just a matter of days because just the, <laughs> yeah. the simple act of taking some time out was relieving in and of itself. I mean, there's something about silence that's just and being being alone and quiet is just so refreshing um, when you start doing it. So I think it's it's kind of cool because you, you, you know, just like what George says, start, you'll start seeing what it's like and you'll get to experience it if you haven't already. You know, you don't need any of these books and you don't need all this head knowledge about meditation. You just need to sit in silence and um, and watch your thoughts. And another thing I recommend is keep a journal. So, you know, after you meditate, write down how your experience went and what you thought and uh, keep a log of your of what happens, what comes up in your meditations. And when you write it down, when you write down some of the repetitive thoughts that kept coming up, it helps ground it and it makes it makes you um, not ruminate on it as much because you kind of wrote it down. It's you put it out there. So. That's it for uh, for my resources, and um, is that it for you, George? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the one thing I wanted to reiterate from the beginning of the podcast was that uh, that raptitude.com blog. I think people, anybody oh, yeah. who gravitates towards this podcast, they would really enjoy his writing. And he has a really uh, laid back uh, approach to mindfulness that I've been really enjoying um, putting into practice lately. So that I, I'd give him a, his, his, his articles are just the right length to read and might get you inspired to do more of this stuff. Sounds awesome. Well, thanks, George. It's been a pleasure. Love talking meditation with you. And um, and to all the listeners out there, you can follow me at Jeff underscore Finley on Twitter and G Coghill for George on Twitter. And um, you can always hit up makermistaker.com for new articles and new podcast episodes. If you find us in iTunes, give us a rating. It helps other people find the podcast. And um, because we don't get paid for doing this stuff. The best thing you can do is share the podcast with somebody you think might like it. And so we really appreciate it. Thank you for sticking around for the for the two hours if you made it this far. Um, we like to get real deep. We talk a lot. We get into it. <laughs> we love this stuff. So we hope that we've inspired you to pick up the meditation habit, maybe deepen your meditation habit, get into it more. So if you have any questions, um, email me, jeff82finley at gmail.com. I'm also coaching meditation on coach.me, so look me up there. And uh, that's it. And thanks for listening. And thanks, George. It was a good one. Yep, I really enjoyed it, Jeff. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye bye.